I, when you are. I'm rock hard, Rob. I am Good. rock hard. You better be. I mean, we, come on. We ha- we're talking about like Maxim's like 86, like top 100 persons from the year 2001. Okay, Zach, we're you're gonna start. You're gonna start like this because she's number 87. Okay. Oh <laughs> God damn it! This is this is I'm just become an incredible adversarial failure. discussion. <laughs> I am a failure. God damn it! All right. podcast about cinematic oddies where we discuss any media that is too bizarre abnormal or off kilter for contemporary audiences occasionally these projects gel most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp i'm zach and i think we should proceed to the nearest evacuation facility and i'm not really saying that about this Kind of this movie, kind of the fort year. We're so deep in it now, Zach, that I'm just like, oh, geez. And there's still so many to go as well. <laughs> it's it's something else. But I guess we shouldn't proceed to the nearest evacuation facility for this because I am excited to discuss Final Fantasy The Spirits Within because it gives me a backdoor way to talk about the Final Fantasy video game franchise, which when we get into our context... Uh, I will have an in-depth background and my thoughts on all 15 of the main games. Are you ready for this, Zach? (laughs) I regret every moment of recommending this film for the fourth year. So I I have to ask, since, of course, as our audience knows, that Zach chose the fourth year and the order of the fourth year, uh, this is the one that when you first picked all these and you sent me the list, this is the one I was really surprised about. I was really like, oh, Zach wants to discuss Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, or maybe not want to discuss, but Zach chose it, that type of thing. I was really shocked. And I guess I just have to ask why, and maybe this will get into your context, which I think you should go first. I don't think your context can match my my 15-hour-plus context. Why, Why is this actually on here, Zach? This is the thing I've been waiting to ask you for a while, because other movies, of course, came out. In 2001, you know, I think, what, when we got to Shrek, I said we should have done Moulin Rouge. They came out close enough together. I didn't look up, look up what came out close to this I one. I thought Moulin Rouge came out, like, in April. It I was could be wrong. close enough to Shrek, Zach. <laughs> it was close enough. It wasn't the same weekend. I know that, but it was close enough. But, okay, I really, I really am interested to know why this one is on the four years list, Zach. Well, like, okay, like, the reason why it's part of the four year was that... I, I was aware of this in 2001. This film very much falls into the same vein as AI artificial intelligence in that I wanted to see this movie. And I'm pretty sure that it's, the marketing for it showed up a lot like on DVDs and stuff. Like I'm pretty sure on my sixth day, Arnold Schwarzenegger like VHS, that like the preview for this played like ad nauseum, both being Sony Pictures films. So like I really like – well, like, again, it's one of those movies, like, it kind of, Rob and I talked about this in the pre-show, like, when it comes to Pootie Tang, I remember the trailer probably more than, like, I, <laughs> sure. than I'll ever remember about the movie, and that's what it was. I always wanted to see this movie, 
Um, I was intrigued by it just because it was like, oh, like it's animated movie, but like it's not like a cartoon. Like, ooh, and like whereas I remember, like, I think we talked about like how my mother did not like want me to see AI. This I think it just kind of fell into the background. Okay, I would imagine that like I a my father hated anything that was animated. Anything that was animated was considered inherently childish. Sure. And he would not take he would not take me to it. Whereas my mother, I would imagine my mother you can only get a couple only a handful of movies out of her to begin with. And I probably didn't want to spend any uh, quote unquote movie capital on seeing this if I had to guess. Going back to like probably my what eight year old mindset at the time. So it more or less kind of faded into like the recesses of of like 2001 movies yeah um like much more so than ai artificial intelligence like i was always aware of this film i would imagine at some point during rob and i's friendship that this probably came up as a talking point considering uh, rob's affinity for the video game franchise which he will which he will easily over elaborate on in the coming moments i was thinking about that if we had ever discussed it i didn't remember anything specifically but i'm sure it had to happen at some point yeah i'm pretty sure something like this probably came up at like probably as a tangential rant during yeah. like a uh a voiceover acting thing yes. like being like yeah remember like like zach like zach i gotta do my rob voice i'm done my rob my rob voice that sounds like marge simpson forever zach this this voice actor did this thing and this 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 and it's like and like and it's like and whoever it is it's his final fantasy related i'm like yeah yeah rob like talk to me when we get to dr Aki. um and guess what we, we are here like three plus years later um but no so like i i always was aware of this film I never had really any interest in ever trying to revisit it. Um, I remember probably after 2001, my biggest memory was seeing it on Rob's like bookshelf as it was one of his PSP movies. Yeah. And I will always remember like when it comes, like when it comes to this movie, there are two main memories I have one that I wanted to see this in 2001. And the second being, Oh, how is this movie? I would ask Rob and Rob's response was, and I quote, when it comes to the PSP version, Go ahead, Rob. I don't remember exactly what I said. You don't remember? <laughs> no. Okay. Rob's response was, oh, the movie where I have to turn up the sound all the way to max and I still can't hear it. Okay. I mean. <laughs> that was his, like, that, that is my second main memory okay. about this movie. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. I mean, that might lead to why I was so kind of, it hit me when I sat down to watch this for this recording. I'd only ever seen this movie once before. On my PSP, I have this. Had, not just had, I still have this on UMD for the PSP. And when I sat down to watch this on my TV, I was like, oh shit, I've only ever seen this on like a four-inch screen. <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. But I, I mean, maybe that's why I never revisited it, because I, I have very little memory of... I had very little memory of this movie, for sure. But that sounds about right, the, the audio being bad. I mean... <laughs> that sounds about yeah. right for you know mid 2000s psp technology exactly that was my second memory about this then in 2011 and much like if you remember from our vanilla sky episode or what was it a butterscotch horizons and chocolate vistas something like that <laughs> yes is that in freshman year of, of college there was an fye at the mall and guess what Zach bought this, and he still has the receipt in it when it comes to the DVD. <laughs> I bought this on May 1st, 2011. Like, ironically, 10 years later, and I remember 
I actually, I think I literally nickel and dimed the poor cashier because I'm pretty sure I paid with this, paid for it with nickels and dimes because <laughs> it was only a five dollar movie, and I bought this on May first, 2011, which is just beautiful. And on the receipt, it tells me reserve your copy of Justin Bieber's Never Say Never available on Friday on DVD May 13th, 2011. So uh, get on that, folks. Did you? Get Did on you that. reserve I, your copy? I did not reserve a copy of Justin Bieber's Never Say Never on DVD available Friday, <laughs> May 13th, 2011. Damn. Damn indeed. We just lost a lot of listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that, I, I remember Sal wanted to watch like – Sal was excited to watch this. And I think I watched maybe the first ten minutes of it. I found the animation so jarring okay. that I like I just I couldn't mentally like wrap my head around it. And then I had no interest in ever watching it since. Sure. But when sure. but when it came to curating the fort year, it felt like an integral piece of 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 that sort of just like collection of films from that summer because this was a huge blockbuster film. Yes. The budget I think is what a hundred and thirty something million dollars. Yep. yep. And it was a financial bomb. Critically, I think it was pretty middling, but financially it was a stinker. And I feel you had to talk about this film, not just because of its oddity ranking probably in the grand scheme of that summer, but also because of just the history I kind of just laid out. Is that like it just it it felt like a weird movie that deserved its own place beyond just my normal nostalgic reasons for including Ab- Absolutely, and that's something that I, I – this is one of those movies that I had a lot more uh, fun researching it than actually watching it. <laughs> and a lot of the creation of this movie or how it came to be is really interesting, and I'm sure we will get into that. But, Zach, are you ready for some Final Fantasy context? <sighs> Not really, I but think like, that's a yes. like, go ahead, have your, <laughs> go ahead, have your way with, go ahead, not just have your way with me, Rob, but have your way with the listener. <laughs> go ahead, just do it. Like, if anyone remembers, like, from the Wolf of Wall Street with, like, what was her name? Uh, oh, God, Margot Robbie and Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like, it's like, fuck me, Jordan. And start the clip, Rob. <laughs> fuck me, Jordan, because this is the last time you're ever going to fuck me again. <laughs> you want to fuck me? Go ahead. Go ahead and fuck me. I want you to fuck me real hard. I want you to fuck me like it's the last fucking yeah. time. Why, why are you moving come like on, that? Baby. Please move. Because I want you to come for me, baby. Come, come on, on, baby. Come for me, baby. I want you to come for me like it's the last fucking time. Yeah. yeah. Come on, baby. Come for me. Come for me, baby. Come on, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah baby. Come. the last time we ever have sex, I... What are you talking about? I want a divorce. Okay, so I'm in seventh grade. At this point in time, Kingdom Hearts had already come out, and I played Kingdom Hearts. And I was like, oh man, I love it. 
We're going to talk more about how I came to King Kingdom Hearts after the Fort Year's over and we get to the Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a whole different story. But I played Kingdom Hearts before I had played any Final Fantasy game. I, that technically might not be true. I think I might have, like, messed around a little bit with the original Final Fantasies on someone's Nintendo, the, like the original Nintendo, and I, but I didn't really get into it. Kingdom Hearts was definitely one that I was into, though. And the thing was that there were Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts. As anybody who's played Kingdom Hearts knows, that's like one of their hooks is that they mix Disney with, some, with very little Final Fantasy. And, of course, Kingdom Hearts 3 becomes the Disney show <laughs> many years later. But one of the things was I, I would play Kingdom Hearts, and I knew I had friends who liked it as well. And when you went to Hercules World, in Hercules World, Olympus Coliseum, you would encounter uh, Cloud Strife. And I remember not really knowing who that was or knowing that it was a tie-in to something else until when I was in middle school in seventh grade that one of my friends was like, oh, it's Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And they're like, oh, I have that game. And they let me borrow their discs of Final Fantasy VII so I could play it. And I did. And I started playing it, and I kind of fell in love with it. It was, it was way more RPG than you know Kingdom Hearts is, but it still hooked me. And I remember being into it, and my friend every once in a while would be like, oh, are you still playing that game? And like getting to know how it relates to Kingdom Hearts. And I was like, yeah, I actually kind of like it. And I remember very vividly, at one point, my friend in seventh grade was like, how far in the game are you? And I mentioned where I was in the game, and they kind of freaked out. They were like, they had, I had gotten to a point in the game that my friend could never reach. My friend could never get past the Midgar Zalem after you leave Midgar. And I don't understand why, because the game clearly tells you that you shouldn't fight it. You need to breed a chocobo to run past it. But as soon as my friend heard that I figured out how to get by that point in the game, he was like, I want the game back. And so he took Final Fantasy VII back from me, and I couldn't finish it until a few years later when I eventually got, you know, uh, the PSP, and they started releasing, not remaking or remaking, I think it was technically kind of a remaster, but mobile versions of Final Fantasy games. And it took me a few, you know, years since then to get my PSP and actually start playing it. And ever since that point, kind of Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy VII, I fell in love probably with those types of JRPGs as a whole. And uh, I've now since been a lifelong fan of the Final Fantasy franchise and Kingdom Hearts. I have played every single Final Fantasy game, main or spin-off, not to completion. I have not completed 11 or 14, because those are the MMORPGs, and I do not have time for that. But I have all the others. I've played them all. And we're going to start from the beginning. So Final Fantasy 1. No, Zach, I won't, I won't kill you that way. <laughs> But I, I have a lot of Final Fantasy knowledge, and I've loved Final Fantasy for so long. And uh, even more recently, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I got that day it came out. I played it, and uh, I loved it. I, I'm one of the people who defend the choice of the Final Fantasy VII Remake to take such the drastic direction. Zach, I don't know if you're aware of this. At the end of the Final Fantasy VII Remake for the PS4, you are literally fighting the embodiment of nostalgia. <laughs> Like the the game basically Seems says fitting. to you, you, this game basically says to you, this is how you think it's gonna go, and you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Which is, it's a very interesting choice. But while we're on the topic of Final Fantasy, before I, I get into my context on Spirit Within, which Zach alluded to a little bit with my my UMD version of this movie, 
The best Final Fantasy game in the main series, of course, is Final Fantasy XII. I am a defender of Final Fantasy XII. I have so much time put into that game, and it's wonderful. Uh, I think if you don't like that game, you are mentally deficient. You don't understand things. The least, the, my least favorite Final Fantasy game, another hot take, is Eight. Eight is a garbage game for the reason that enemies level with you. And I really hate that concept in any video game, because I get where you're coming from. It inherently creates more strategy in an RPG, in a game where you have turn-based combat, which I totally understand, but I hate the fact that you can't just, you know, oh, like any other Final Fantasy game, you can put the time in just to level up and get better equipment and then beat things. Where in Final Fantasy VIII, it's like, no, if you level up, every single enemy gets stronger with you, which is the... Like I said, I, I don't like that. I think there's some realistic level that I don't like that where, you know, could you imagine, Zach, if you spent like, you know, a year just hitting the gym and doing like power lifting so you could be really strong and then you go home one night and there's a fucking rat in your apartment that is just as strong as you are? That's ridiculous to me. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> I hate when I get buff rats in my apartment. But but uh, 12 is the best. 8 is the, the worst. I think 6 is better than 7. I have that hot take as well. Um, I think 4 is pretty good. I know that one gets a lot of love. I'm a defender of the 13 trilogy. I'm a defender of how 13-2 and Lightning Returns are better than 13. Uh, I'm also a defender of the fact that it makes sense that the final cinematic cutscene of 13 drops a character entirely, and I love the explanation they give, <laughs> like post hoc explanation how they fucked up at the end of 13. 15 I really like. I don't understand the hate 15 gets for that chapter 13 in it, where you are basically, they give you a stealth mission. I never dislike that as much as a lot of people, and I think those are the hot takes for Final Fantasy that I want to give right now. But as we go into this movie, I'm going to have more complaints and thoughts about how this relates to the Final Fantasy franchise. So don't worry, Zach. It's not stopping here. Now, as Zach mentioned, I had this movie, Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, on UMD for my PSP. I was also really tempted to watch it on my PSP <laughs> for this you recording. Got show of Rob. You <laughs> I, got I, show of. I was really tempted, but I was like, ah, no, I, I feel like I should actually be able to view this movie and I guess hear it as I'm learning as Zach's reminding me. So I got this movie solely because it had the word Final Fantasy in the title. I really don't remember any advertisements for this. Not to say I didn't see them back in 2001, but I really don't remember them. And that was before I knew what Final Fantasy was. It really was when I was getting into Final Fantasy that this had name recognition. And I was like, oh, I want to check it out. It's a movie. And I remember watching this movie on my PSP, or I remember having memories of, uh, or thoughts on it afterwards. I remembered for some reason two things about this movie. Alien Ghosts. And the line where our main character says, only seven years old and she was ready to die. That really stuck with me for some reason. <laughs> Fifth was a little girl dying in a hospital emergency room. I retrieved the sample in time, but she... I told her everything had a spirit. Dogs, cats, trees, little girls, even the earth. I told her that she wasn't dying, just returning to the earth spirit. To Gaia. She uh, told me that she was ready to die. She said I didn't have to make up stories to make her feel better. Only seven years old and ready to die. 
The, th- the biggest thing, though, and I think this is where I'm going to come for this entire conversation. This is like the perspective I'm going to have. I think I'm very neutral on this movie. It pushes me into intense dislike that this is so different from what Final Fantasy is. And I remembered having that thought that I got this for the PSP. I watched it. And my big takeaway was this has nothing to do with Final <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> Again, I'm also not saying that this should have been like a, a movie version of one of the game's stories. But it's not even in the same universe as Final Fantasy. And that's what I'm going to talk a lot about when we get into it. And I kind of have to say after I rewatched it for this recording, I feel the same way. There's no reason to call this a Final Fantasy movie other than the fact that it's directed by the creator of Final Fantasy and they had some name recognition. But that's kind of my context. I never revisited this. At no point was I ever like, oh, I should check this out again. It really has been like probably 15, 16 years since I watched it on my PSP. I, but don't get me wrong. I've watched Final Fantasy VII Advent Children a bunch. That's a, a great movie that ties I, into one I, of the games. I remember that. I remember you saying that, Advent Children. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. That's a, I mean, there's some wonky shit where it's like, oh, guess what? Rufus Shinra survived the events of the game. And it's like, no, no, he he did not. Like, he objectively did not. Um, and I've also watched um, the Final Fantasy XV movie, which is the prequel of the game, because when I bought the, the Final Fantasy XV disc, uh, or... Uh, I actually have a steel book for Final Fantasy XV, Zach. <gasps> oh my it came God. with the movie, and I've watched that, and I'm like, that's pretty good, and that's, you know, a photorealistic animation as well. But nothing ever made me want to come back and rewatch this movie until you put it on the fort year. Am I glad I rewatched it? Kind of, but I'm pretty neutral. I don't think it's a great movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I'm kind of like, whatever. I just am angry more about the fact that it has nothing to do with Final Fantasy at all. So so that's my context. Zach, I have to ask you, what is your favorite and least favorite Final Fantasy game? You have to tell our audience. <laughs> I guess my favorite is 13 because I, I bought that one. I, I know. I was going to say because that's the one I've seen you play a little bit of. <laughs> I guess. I really have no memory of it whatsoever, but I guess by default that makes it my favorite. <laughs> um my least favorite is whatever one that like Rob's going to rant the most about when it comes to voice acting. Uh, so that you only voice acting only starts in ten. Uh, all one through nine have um, text. They didn't know how to. They didn't. They didn't know how. They didn't put voices in video games. That's fine then. So, That's so fine, you, then. you have a lot less Final Fantasies with voice actors uh, than you than you have them without voice actors. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so Zach agrees with me. The worst Final Fantasy game is eight. Uh, everybody should agree with me there. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much, like, I don't know, like, I kind of, like, I'm kind of curious, like, so you have really no strong opinions on this film, like, either way, like, you don't find it abhorrent, or... No, no, like I said, when I was watching it, there's some, like, I'm sure we'll get into it, of course, when we get to specifics, but there's some things I liked, some things I didn't like, like, there's a lot of groaners in the dialogue and stuff like that, but my biggest takeaway is that, you know, really, it's like, there's nothing that... Uh, like they, I feel like this movie could have been good if it was more Final Fantasy-ish. And I want to talk about some of those examples in my thoughts, but, but really removing that aspect of it, like trying to see this for me just as a standalone film, you know, not you know, trying to have any notions of connections to the, the franchise of Final Fantasy, this is pretty bland, I think. I think it's just like, oh, they have to fight an, a villain. You got James Woods being, you know, bad army man or general or whatever the hell he is. And and it's very it seems very basic. It's like a basic sci fi action thing Uh, in terms of story and execution. And I'm sure we're going to talk about the thing that's really interesting with this movie is its creation and the photorealistic animation and stuff like that. But overall, I watched it and I'm kind of like, yeah, that was a 
That was a hundred minutes I just spent. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. Is like, like obviously the photoreal animation was the hook for this. Yes, especially in the summer that also involved Shrek. But like, like you said, this. I'm glad you said the word bland because I found this. Like, the story's just cookie cutter to the most extreme. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is that like, you sure you have all this technology. And as I was watching it, it's probably the greatest PS3 cutscene I've ever seen. <laughs> but sure. like, like, and I get it. like obviously it was very, very advanced for its time in 2001. But like now, it's just like I don't even think archaic is a strong enough word. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I get. I guess that's a question that I had for you on the on the topic of the animation in this. What'd you think of it? I, I kind of was expecting to go back and be like, oh, is this going to not age well or look weird? I'm actually somewhat fine with this anime. Don't get me wrong. There's some stuff that looks weird. Like when uh, Alec Baldwin and Mulan kiss, that looks weird. I did not think that looked normal. Uh, that was a little Uncanny Valley. But for the most part, I'm kind of fine with the animation. I was expecting a little more problems with it, but I was okay with it. How about you? Um, Like I said, 10 years ago, I had a big problem with it. I found it so so uncanny valley okay. like, territory that like i found it just like like unwatchable and i was always afraid of that especially when even when it came to this recording i was like oh god like do i really want to watch this like how distracting is the animation going to be when you have the human characters like and it's more when close-ups they are very very jarring sure. and i think that i think a, like part of that is the animation i think the other half is that is you have such distinguished actors with such recognizable voices providing Yes. The 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 voice acting that is a huge problem with this movie. <laughs> exactly, like like Steve Buscemi and Ving Rhames being the most kind of like unintentional egregious offenders. Yes, like man, like you see like a handsome guy with Steve Buscemi's like voice, and you're like, nope, like nope, like suspension <laughs> of disbelief, gone, gone, like poof. And I'm just like, nope. And then like especially Alec Baldwin. It's like no, like Ming Wan, Ming Na Wen kind of blends in pretty well. Uh, Perry Gilpin blends in okay, but like man, Steve Buscemi, Ving Rhames, and Alec Baldwin, just like um, the moment they start talking, you just mentally check out. All like, of the soldiers nope. didn't work for me because I I've seen a lot of Frasier, which is I think where where Perry Gilpin's best known from is Roz, and I was just like that took me out of it where you know they show up right at the beginning to save uh, to save Mulan. <laughs> Aki and uh I'm just like like you said I'm totally taken out of the movie I'm just like oh here's Alec Baldwin and then you know when James Wood shows up it's even more egregious and it just it and then and then fucking (laughs) Keith David is one of the council members and I'm like there's such a huge disconnect between what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing exactly like I know they want an all-star all-star cast and I think that's the problem. Usually how most animation works is that, like you try to get your voice actors first and then animate around them. Yes. And clearly this is the other way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I think – I know we talked about this in our Atlantis episode that I didn't really like um, Michael J. Fox as Milo because I just heard Michael J. Fox. And I know I talked about there with animation. The thing that I want from voice actors is to do a performance. Now, I'm not saying if someone uses their regular voice they can't do a good performance, but this is like the the example – of these actors are not doing anything. I, I feel like they're just speaking their lines. They're, they're, it's basically like we're watching a table read or something like that. And that really kind of threw me out of the movie, like we've been saying. Well, exactly. I think that's also the fact, like you were saying, that like you have a director that is not attuned to these sort of things. Yes. I just felt like a first draft. Oh, absolutely. This felt like someone just kind of like rushing through it just to get it done. Like there was no manicuring, there was no refining, there was no pruning. It was just 
just get out the door. Get out the door. I think that's the that's you're so right because I definitely think there's there's so much technological stuff going on behind this the scenes in this movie which is important and and really cool that's what I was really interested in looking into but the director is Hironobu Sakaguchi as I mentioned is the creator of the Final Fantasy franchise he's the director the man behind Final Fantasies 1 through 5 he gets story credit on 6 and 7 it has nothing to do with 8 8 like I said the, the drops ball and then scenario for 9 he only worked on the ones without voice actors that's I think that that shows. <laughs> yeah. And I I think it's clear that like they just I even was reading some stuff about this, like the fact that like they were like animating stuff like or like years earlier. And by the time they were nearing completion, they had to go back and re like to kind of like touch that up because it was just so outdated. Yes, yes. Well, like I said, it's clearly a movie that's more interested in the technology than it is the story. Like there oh, is yeah. there there is no I guess thing. The story is like I said, like for the first, I'd say almost like oh god, Rob's gonna love this. For the first seven eights, the story is pretty straightforward. Even if it's a little too fantastical, but by like the last fifteen minutes of the movie, it becomes like incomprehensible almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have I have some notes on that that last bit of the movie for sure. Oh man, I mean the the technology, like you said, is really interesting, and like I've mentioned, that's that's what's really really cool. If you ever have time to like look into, like actually read about what they did, uh, that's the stuff that I was like, wow, this is. I just want to see like the documentary about the making of this movie because, like you mentioned, Zach, 137 million dollars took like four years to make. Uh, they report that the combined man hours is something like 120 years of work. Uh, there's 142,000 frames. It took them like 90 minutes to render each frame. The first year and a half of production was just designing software to be able to work with existing software and create this movie. They built a $40 million studio in Hawaii that I would just love to like see a time lapse of the construction of. Like That stuff is fascinating to me. But that, the, the idea that it all boils down to the most basic sci-fi action movie is is very upsetting. <laughs> but it also goes back to like what like what movies were in the early like 21st century and that like the technology will carry you across the finish line. Exactly. Yeah. Like like there's a fantastic double feature here between this and Ab- Jimmy C's Avatar. Sure. And that like why is one successful and the other isn't? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Both both are painfully bland stories. But clearly one is the highest grossing film of all time and the other is a forgotten like relic of the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Avatar's an interesting comparison. Any, you know, any really um, you know, um what do we want to call it? technology heavy movie, especially in in these time frames where you know there there were leaps and bounds going forward in in some sense. They're always interesting to think about, but I I feel like that's we we need like the golden product, like the the golden child to finally combine a good movie with great leaps and bounds in technology because people are still trying to do it like james cameron like you said avatar is basic story and then i mean what uh, i think we've talked about like high frame rate stuff with ang lee and peter jackson and nobody likes those movies like we need we finally need the combination of good technology with a good movie but will we ever get it who knows (laughs) and i guess for this episode spoiler alert it's not final fantasy the spirits within But I guess my answer is, do you have that already? And it's called Avengers Endgame. Mm, Is it that? That's the interesting line between, is it a good movie or is it a well-received movie? Like, you have a giant purple man that no point do you not believe is real. 
There is no point in that movie where you question what's happening. You might not sure. like the movie, but there is no point where you question what's happening because of the limits of technology. And like, That's who fair. knows? That film is only two years old, so like, who knows how that'll look twenty years from now? Like, when it comes to special effects. But like two years out the gate, there's no reason to uh, disparage the technological feats of that film. Sure, sure. And that's the thing is that like Final Fantasy doesn't work because it's just there's nothing to like about the movie as in like (laughs) characters or story. Yes, that's a that's an interesting point. I mean, that Endgame is a good example, but it's a really, really it, there's so much charge to Endgame being that cap on what they've done with the franchise and how they built to it. That, but that, that's a tough one. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. I think that's more of me saying, you know, uh, f- actively trying to repress Endgame and Marvel from my my mind. But you're not wrong. That's an interesting example. That might be the closest thing we got because I mean, even when you get the high frame rate stuff, which is what I initially thought of with you know more modern trying to you know uh, artists trying to do leaps and bounds with the technology, you have issues with like I think actually major audiences actually being able to see them, like I, like I, theaters aren't all set up to do high frame rate. What is what's that like Gemini Man when um or Gamini Man? Sorry, when that came out, wasn't it like there was only like limited theaters that you could even see yeah. that at 120 well, he- frames per second? Yeah, exactly. That was the thing. 120 frames per second was like, like limited to like maybe like four theaters in the entire like United States. Yeah, yeah, and that that's when I feel like you know Ang Lee because Peter Jackson did what 48 frames per second or something. He didn't even push it as like Ang Lee. I think wants audiences' eyes to explode. I think that's what his his actual gist as a, as a director is now at least. Um, but. That's the thing, and then and then what? I watched Gamini Man on like a streaming service where it clearly had issues. But that's the thing that I, I watched Gamini Man in the visuals. I'm like, would this have looked good at 120 frames per second? High frame rate's not going to help the fact that Gamini Man's story was fundamentally dumb. But uh, but maybe it would have looked better. But that's the kind of thing is nobody gets to see it that way. I think when I saw one of the Hobbits in theaters that was high frame rate. I don't even think I saw it at high frame rate, but I don't remember. And that that's interesting where it's like, do we have to find this middle ground with Endgame where we are pushing the technology? It's not a leap and bound of technology. It's the culmination of what we've been seeing for a while. And maybe that's the thing, too. Nobody wants to get thrown into the deep end with 120 frames per second. They want to get thrown into the deep end of, oh, here's a CGI character I finally believe in, like you're saying with Thanos. So that's interesting. That's an interesting point you make, Zach. You're right, though. As much as I hate Endgame, I I never thought Thanos was Brolin at any point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing. Like like the, the technology is there at this point. Um, I think it's just more of uh, it, it's a tool to enhance everything else. Sure, sure. Now you know you know what they had to do though back in two thousand one to enhance this movie. Put the female protagonist in a bikini. <laughs> Well, well. <laughs> Did you look at any of the pictures of, of uh, Dr. Aki Ross in a bikini? Is this like the Maxim thing? Yes, she was on the cover of a of a Maxim magazine. I could not find – I was trying to find which exact issue, but I couldn't find that because some people said, oh, it was the Hot 100. And I was like, there's no way they would put the fucking number 87 
spot on the cover, you know? So, but it yeah. did exist. You can see these pictures, and they look strange to me. Uh, I think this might get into more of the, the psychological thing of if you like seeing sexy animated things, which I don't really. If anybody wanted to know that, that's not my cup of tea. But it looks weird, but oh my god, Zach, did they push this. They were really saying, like, she's a female protagonist, lead of this movie. She's totally computer-created, and she can be sexy as well. Because she's not sexy in the movie. She's, I think, definitively a, a scientist no. in the film. But they put her in this purple bikini on the cover of Maxim, and there's some other, like, uh, images that they rendered for the the actual issue that she was in and they look strange to me but she is in 2001 number 87 in maxim's hot 100 women uh, and apparently something i didn't know which I, I guess maybe i should have realized but i didn't know until i looked at it maxim's hot 100 is based off of reader polls so people voted of course, maybe there's some, you know, collusion and, and uh, other things going on. But as far as they want us to think, she was voted to be number 87 on the Hot 100 list. Zach, I need to know your thoughts on this. I, I'm dying to know your thoughts on sexy animated women. <laughs> the audience oh, is dying to know, Zach. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I, I, uh, I share Rob's sentiment. Animated sexy women aren't exactly my cup of tea. Uh, Tweets of their own. Yes, but um, if that floats your boat, good for you. Yeah, I saw that was one of the big, like that was the thing. Like, probably the, the lasting legacy of this film is the oh god intended career of Doctor Aki Ross. Yes, yes, and how just horribly misguided it was. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's see, that's the thing that I find interesting because, like we just said, she is not. She is very much just scientist in the movie. Like, 100%. Sure, she's involved with the romance. That's fine. The movie kind of needs that. Or since it's so boilerplate, I guess it kind of needs that. But I don't see that line of marketing working where you say, oh, look at this female lead we've created. And they did create her in the sense, in every sense of the word. And they say, let's put her in Maxim to draw viewers in. That is so strange and disconnected to me because this isn't like a, you know, a, like a, a, a sexy movie in any way, you know? This isn't like, you know... And not, I think that goes for Final Fantasy as well. None of the games have ever been sold on sex appeal. It's more of that after the fact that there's a female character that the internet, you know, goes crazy with. This seemed to be like Square saying, well, hey, let's try and beat them to the punch and make her sexy to get people to go see this movie. But like I've, like I've been saying, this movie's so far from sexy. <laughs> it just seems so strange that they would even do that. I guess maybe to show off what different things they could do with photorealistic animation, but then just create a different character. Like, don't make Dr. Aki sexy. Make a different character sexy or something. I don't know. It just seems so strange to me. Yeah, I, I, I said I horribly misguided. I can't. Dis I can't really. I don't know what their thought process was. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, they were trying to do something in the vein of like, oh, like we're going to create the first digital actress because there was talk of. Uh, like obviously making Dr. Aki Ross um, into like this character that would show up in other movie franchises. Yes, yes. Um, like I can I that just sounds like kind of like, I don't know, empty statements to mm. promote the film. Sure. But I, I can I just I just don't know though. Like it's just like everything like just like this when it comes to the context to this movie, 
on a uh, just like understanding its what existence. It comes down to only to like a handful of talking points, mm-hmm. and beyond that, kind of like the, the the trail goes cold very quickly. <laughs> yes, yes. Like there's no reason why this movie exists. Like nobody's like, oh, I really want to tell the story. It just seemed like, oh, let's just like someone at Square Enix was like, let's just do this, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that is the sole foundation for this. Yeah, it's so nobody it's so strange. Ha- nobody had a vision. That's the thing. Nobody had a vision. It was just like, let's just do this because we can. It certainly feels that way, and that's one of the things. The biggest bummers because you know every. Like, Final Fantasy games don't all take place in the same universe. Some of them do. Uh, like, 15 and 13 are in the same universe and things like that. Different time frames and stuff. Like, like a, some the ones that do exist are very, very far apart in time. But then this movie is not in that universe. And we'll get to that more. Zach, we have to talk, before we get off this topic, of sexy women. <laughs> we have to talk about... You better believe I looked at the 2001 Hot 100. So we have we have to talk about the Hot 100 because we have some some pop ups in there from our fourth year. Okay. So. Okay. I want I want. Can I guess who the number one spot is? Yes. Number one is the only one I wrote down who has not appeared in the fourth year, and I don't think will appear in the fourth year. But I would love to hear your guess, Zach. Oh, ooh, that's interesting. Because I was sworn sworn it was Cameron Diaz. It is not. Ooh. Okay. Um... She did not swallow the appropriate person's cum. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm not Rob, implying we, that who number Rob, one is did, but I'm making Rob, a joke. Can, can you look up the Hot 100 list and at least tell me like why make these guesses if they even rang placed on the list? Okay, Would I you can be do, able that. To do that. Yeah, because I I'll pull it up because I only wrote down um uh the ones that popped out at me, but I'll pull it up. But yes, I would love to hear your guess, Zach, for number one. Man, I would figure it was Cameron Diaz. Between, it was like Shrek. Yeah. Between Shrek and Vanilla Sky, I would have like just like been like, okay, it has to be her. Would you like to know Cameron Diaz's spot now that you've guessed? It has to has to be top ten. She did not appear in two thousand one. Really? Yes. Yes. Damn, that's that's shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I agree. Okay, number one. Who is who is a? Uh, Oh uh, God, number one doesn't. Okay, okay. Let me ask. I'm gonna ask some like, like kind of like uh, guess who questions. Okay. Um, is, <laughs> is it, it a, a woman? Movie... Yes. <laughs> is, is it a movie star? Yes, I would say so. I don't really know of her place in 2001, but she is definitely a notable name. It's not a model that you would just see on okay, the cover. Okay, it, w- it wouldn't have been like Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera or just not. M- she is not music related. Oh, not music related. Okay, who is who is really hot? Like in the sense of like popular. Oh, this is fun. I like this. We should do mm. 2002 after this. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Is it somebody that's still relevant by today's like standards? Or are they like are they are a product of their time? A little less relevant today, but I would still say well known. Not music related. Not music related. I was gonna say Jennifer Lopez. No, she is not. Ooh, not number okay. one. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Is Jennifer Lopez even place? No. What? Okay, I have a lot of problems with this list. So, far. <laughs> um, someone that is still kind of relevant, but not super duper mainstream. Um, did they have a movie that came out in two thousand one, or are they Ooh. kind of like a holdover from like a bygone era? Kind of like how Johnny Depp was still like like the sexiest man as of like twenty fifteen. <laughs> Fair. Um. Uh, in 2001, she did not have a movie. Which what is the hell? That is that's, that, 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 that's now odd. I'm actually more surprised. <laughs> Penelope Cruz? Okay, no, it can't be Penelope Cruz because she had Vanilla Sky. Yeah, yeah. So it's not um, her. Nicole Kidman. 
No. Nicole, okay. Um, is this somebody that I will get, like, eventually figure out, or is this like obscure at the point where it's I'm not? Like, it's not obscure. I'm trying to think of give, give some hints. Um, after is it from, two, has he shown up in the movie we've discussed on Cinemonies? I don't think so. Oh, oh. Okay. I'm trying to rack my brain now. I don't think she has. Um, the hint that comes to mind is that she becomes a superhero in the mid 2000s. Oh, Halle Berry. No. 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 <laughs> I think you're based on Swordfish. That's a good guess, but no, not her. Not her. She comes a superhero. Jennifer Garner? No. That I, I had to think for a second which superhero oh. Jennifer Garner becomes. <laughs> Okay, Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba becomes okay, the invisible it. woman. Yeah, I got it. That, that gave it away. That and was, this that is was also a... surprising. You're right. I would have thought she had a 2001 movie. She does not no. have a 2001 Jessica, movie. Jessica, she has a TV show. Was that, what, what was that, Alias? Uh, no. 2001 Dark Angel. She's Dark in. Angel, there you go. That was Jennifer Garner. A, yes, was yes. Yeah, but, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Jessica Alba is number one. And yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about her, any movies with her in it on cinema. No. Nothing comes no. to mind. We, ha- we haven't. No, because Jessica Alba is like a, like the closest we've ever flirted with Jessica Alba was like what, like one of the Machete movies. Yes. Probably, and that was it. Probably. Yeah. It's an interesting year. You put, you had some good guesses that I'm also shocked they're not on that list. Um, yeah. Sure. I got shocked, shocked that Britney Spears isn't on that list. Britney Spears is on there. I don't think I meant, uh, she's number seven. I didn't write her okay. down, though. Um, Jennifer Lopez is not on the list, though, which is also crazy. Um, but from the Fort Years, some stood out to me. Uh, technically not a 2001 movie, but number 72. Uh, all of these also are the ones that beat out Dr. Aki Ross. I, I did not look below <laughs> Aki Ross. <laughs> uh, but from number 72, Jessica Perret, who is the first vampire in Suck. So she was 21 years really? old. Yes, 21 years old in 2001, and she got number 72. <laughs> uh, number 59, she was a hero, goddammit, Carla Gugino. Car- really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that is uh, – ooh, that is 39 odd. is Kate Beckinsale, who I personally think should be higher than number 39. Yeah. Number 32, Michelle Rodriguez from Fast and the Furious, and in the picture oh, that they link on Maxim, her mouth is open. I, I still posit to this day she cannot physically close her mouth. Uh, number 30, Jordana Brewster. So we have that kind of, um, you know, okay. Fast and the Furious pocket there. And now, now here we're going to get, we're going to get all three of Josie and the Pussycats. Really? I yes. figured Tara Reid had to be somewhere on here. So the, the lowest on the list is Rachel A. Cook at number 29. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Rosario Dawson, number 23. And I'll, there's a few others here, but on the Josie and the Pussycats topic, Tara Reid gets number six. Yeah, it sounds She's right. one ahead of Britney Spears. Uh, number 22, we talked about it in The Mummy Returns, Rachel Weisz. Okay. Number nine really surprised me. She popped up in Sugar and Spice, Mina Suvari is number really? nine. Well, yes. you, you know why, because of American Pie 2. Exactly. And, uh, but when I saw that at first, I was also thinking American Beauty. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, there, there, there's just one-two punch. And exactly. Uh, and then Tara Reid was six, I mentioned, and Jessica Alba is number one. Number two Who's is number two? Kirsten Dunst. Did she even have a movie come out that year? That's uh, another. Uh, you're asking me. You're asking me some questions. That, that feels I don't like more of like, that feels like a more of a holdover than like like from previous years. Like Kirsten Dunst, I get. And it also feels like almost like weird like hype for Spider Man. Like it feels like I guess like she had like Bring It On two thousand, and she had a rather low key two thousand one. Two thousand one is Get Over It, 
Crazy Beautiful, The Cat's Meow, and Lover's Prayer, which I, I think I've heard of Get Over It. But... Crazy Beautiful makes sense because like she plays kind of like almost like a slut in that film. Oh. So like <laughs> almost, almost, almost. Like she's, she's, she's a bad yeah. girl with a heart of gold. Like she's a bad girl with a heart of gold. That is a – I watched that movie last year for the first time in a while, and that is a very, very odd movie. Like it's not okay. like bizarre, but like it's just odd. Sure, like, movies I've, like I've never that. Seen it. Movies like that don't like, like the modern day equivalent of that movie is like the weird like HBO Max movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably this is even probably a fair like um, oh god, <sighs> it's probably not. Like it's it's weird. It, it's a it's it's not even a coming of age movie. It's like a bad girl goes like I don't know. It's like Romeo and Juliet combined with like coming of age combined with like a. Uh, like a very, very neutered like requiem for a dream or track. Okay, okay, gotcha. Ve- like, like insanely neutered version of like that. Okay, okay. Of course, there's yeah, others. Does make sense though. That sure. makes that does make sense. I should I should have thought of that. Gotcha. Man, gotcha. Jessica Alba, man, man, they yeah. were. Uh, I guess Jessica Alba it was her time to shine. Jessica Alba's kind of just disappeared ever since she had kids. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know we uh, like I like when I was giving you hints. I think she's still known, but I don't think she's doing much. I mean, the the, the last time I saw Jessica Alba, she, it was a commercial for some like b- baby clothing company she runs now or something like that. <laughs> That's what I mean. I think I, don't, I think Jessica Alba's kind of like made her money and now. She's just kind of like a mom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, there are more women on the Hot 100 list who did not list all 100. Everybody, go check it out. Uh, there's more people we know on there. Of course, there's a bunch of models as well that I don't know. Um, but we, there's a bunch of people we haven't talked about, like, like Shannon Sossaman's on there. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, Allie Larder. Aaliyah. Allie Larder, I get. Aaliyah. Yeah, uh, Aaliyah makes sense. And so, you know, there's, there's more, there's a hundred people on here. We didn't mention them all, but you know, <laughs> that was our side, sidetracked into the Maxim 2001 Hot 100. Tune in next, uh, for the next series, Zach and I will just go through all the years of the Hot 100s and try and guess them. <laughs> I feel like that's like the blank, like what blank check does with the box office game. You should have like the maximum like year, like yes, like where was this people, actress yep. in the maximum like hottest so and so? But yeah, to get back to Final Fantasy, uh, Doctor Aki Ross. From what I found, she is the first and to this day only fictional woman to ever be on the Maxim Hot 100 list, which I found surprising. I thought as we got into like the mid 2010s to now, we would have had more fictional women, but we don't. I uh, I think that'll change eventually. But Dr. Aki Ross, she was sexy for the Maxim people, not in this movie. <laughs> indeed, she was, Rob, indeed. Speaking of the mixing now, those two topics, the, the technology and uh, the, the female character they created, 60,000 strands of hair. That fact came up <sighs> everywhere in my research. Like, apparently they really pushed that that was, like, a, a selling point. But, like, look how much care we put in this character. 60,000 strands of hair. And I'm just like, okay, uh, doesn't really seem to move that much in the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, good for you, but... Exactly, exactly. So I, I guess also on the topic of Dr. Aki Ross, we should get to, which I really am interested to hear what you have to say, because now I know you have the DVD. Uh, you mentioned her wanting to, or them wanting her to appear in other movies and things. She did make another appearance. So Maxim, this movie, and one other... A short-haired version of her is fighting a sentinel in the Matrix universe. So from what I read, Zach, this short is on, this like 90-second short or 75-second short of her fighting a sentinel is on the DVD. Is that the DVD you have? I never watched that much. Okay. 
I, I, I wanted to watch the behind-the-scenes features, but I just got to the film itself and nothing more. Okay. I, I don't have the DVD. Uh, they didn't have that special feature on the UMD, I guess I should say. The UMD was very restricted. But I did watch a little bit of that um, that little, like, it's like a tech demo, and that's what I could found, find why it exists, is that Square Pictures was showing off their technology to the, to the Wachowskis as they were preparing the Animatrix. And and it turns out that the one of these segments, the final flight of the Osiris, eventually does get made by Square Pictures, or Square Pictures has a hand in yeah, their I saw technology. That. And I watched a little bit of it. It doesn't look as good as this movie because I think they didn't go through all their final renders and stuff, which makes sense. It was a short, just a tech demo. But I found that really cool that Square Pictures, in their entire existence, only does three things. One is this movie, one is Final Flight of the Osiris, and the last thing they did is post-production on the cinematics from Final Fantasy X. Uh, and then, of there course, this movie bombs horrendously, Square Pictures gets shut down, and very interesting, if you if you know about your history of video games and, and you know, why it was Square and Enix were two separate companies, they eventually become Square Enix, this movie bombing almost causes the merger between Square and Enix to fall through. And I was like, man, what a world that would have been if that didn't happen, because the landscape of video games and kind of, you know, consoles would be so different. Um, but, but it's pretty interesting, but those are the three things Square Pictures have ever done, and we get this. Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, the most cookie-cutter sci-fi action movie there might be. <laughs> so I, I guess I, I think my whole thing is going to be why isn't this a Final Fantasy movie? I mean, it's Final Fantasy and namesake. My big question is, why did they choose not to lean into what everybody knows and love about Final Fantasy? And I okay, think... But, Rob, okay. how, many people, how many people loved and cared about Final Fantasy in 2001? Well, here's the thing. I don't think that plays a role. I don't think that they even needed to say, well, who knows Final Fantasy? I think where I'm coming from is that there's a lot of hallmarks of the Final Fantasy video game franchise that they could have worked into this movie and general audiences would have been fine with. And so so here's here's my big thing. The Chocobo. If you know uh, iconic thing from Final Fantasy, whether or not you've played the games, I think everybody is somewhat marginally aware of the concept of a chocobo. They don't ride horses in the Final Fantasy universe. They ride these big birds, and they're called chocobos. Chocobos are cute. Chocobos are fun. They would have had the goddamn models for it already. They could have probably saved some time on, on, you know, animation. I don't think there's any universe where if we just throw in the fact very nonchalantly in a Final Fantasy movie, we say, oh, we need to travel on land. Our ship's broken. We're going to get some chocobos. You have a scene where they jump on some big birds and ride them like horses. I think general audiences would have been fine with that. And I, and, and so this, this is kind of my big perspective on this, that there's a lot of hallmarks of the Final Fantasy universe that I don't think audiences would have needed an explanation for, would have needed any precursory knowledge for. They could have put them into this movie, and people would have been fine with it, and it would have made this movie more fun. As a Final Fantasy fan, personally... I think this movie should have had a lot of things like it should have been Chocobos. There should have been Moogles. There should have been Phoenix Down. Someone should have got injured, and they have a, a, a feather from a rare bird that heals their injuries in a very video gamey way. I think that would have been great. 
I think that we should have had a lot more like globe trotting, like going around to big bustling cities and stuff like that, which is all the Final Fantasy games you go to explore this world. I think that they should have had a, a funny joke somewhere where they go to a new city and they're trying to stop James Woods from firing the Zeus cannon. They have a very clear mission. And you have a little joke where some minor character comes up and says, oh, I want you to collect like five different textiles so I can build a shirt. Like make a side quest joke. That'd be great. Other than that, they should have leaned into, I think, the other Final Fantasy things of storytelling. I don't know if Zach's aware of this, but every single main Final Fantasy game is about basically humans, or your, your basic, you know, characters you get to know. They're not all humans, of course. They end up fighting God. It's like that, that uh, uh, Transformers movie we always make fun of, that it ends with Optimus Prime going to fight God. The Final Fantasy games all end up with you basically saying the gods don't control us, we control our own, our own destiny, we should go fight them. This movie should have had a third-act twist where it turns out that James Wood's strings are being pulled by some uh, deity that they have to fight in grand fashion. They don't let this movie live in the world of Final Fantasy, and that makes it bland and boring, when it could have been anything but bland and boring. Like, I think it would have been a nice moment for people to hop on a chocobo. It would have been a nice moment to see a Moogle, which is a totally, you know, non-humanoid, weird-looking creature, and you have these humans go, well, what the hell is this thing? But instead... They put this movie on Earth, about Earth, about ghosts and aliens, about real technology, and I don't think any of it works. So I guess that's my question for you, Zach, is do you see a world where you could have a fun Final Fantasy-type movie that people would have liked to see? It would. I think we can agree, right, that it would have been anything but bland. Well, two things. A, video game movies are inherently toxic. Inherently, yes. <laughs> when, it comes, like when it comes to box office. Absolutely. Like, keep in mind, like, as Ray was discussing the fourth year that I wasn't present for, like, with uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. to this day, that's still one of the highest grossing, like, video game movies. Yes, yes. 20 we, years later. We did talk about in an episode how the 2001 Tomb Raider movie is uh, grossed more than Assassin's Creed from five years ago. Yeah, uh, Which exactly. is crazy. Yes. And I think that's the thing. The reason why this movie is so, in my opinion, is so boilerplate is because they were afraid of being too fantastical. And yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah. that's and I think that's the reason why a lot of video game movies have always struggled to get off the ground, whether it be like Uncharted, uh, what's it, The Last of Us, Bioshock, mm-hmm. is that they're just so afraid that like and that's the thing too, video game people do not turn out for movies. They just don't. Like you'll hear stories about like, oh, like how like the last video game like major video game launch, like, oh, like Mass Effect sold like how many millions of copies, like I'm just using this as an example. Like, sure. like like hundreds of million, like opening week, like opening weekend, like launch week, and that they don't show up. Mm-hmm. Gamers are very much, I uh, got exclusive to one medium. They refuse to venture out of that, that like domain, and so they figured, what's the safest way of of uh, trying to get a wide audience after you spend uh, six figure or nine figures? Make it as just generic and cookie cutter as possible. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I I understand where they were coming from with that mindset, but it's so disappointing. (laughs) As a Final Fantasy fan, of course, I'm coming from. And it's just so disappointing that we don't get something like that. And I think it could have worked. I think it totally could have worked because Assassin's Creed, 
Um, I know that movie is not, it's in the universe of the video games, but it's not based on one of the video games directly. It just takes things that are established in the lore of that franchise and puts it into a new story in the movie. That's what this should have been. Would it have been a major success that, you know, breaks the box office? Probably not. But at the same time, I don't think it would have caused the collapse of Square Pictures and the possible, like, breaking of a merger that was in works for years before this movie was even, even came out. I, I think there's a way that this could have done better, and it would have been that more fantastic element. And, and All right, I just Rob, wish but, we okay, had... Rob, but but try to reconcile this movie, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, with Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, starring Angelina Jolie. Is there in 2001? Can you reconcile those two? Is that, it possible? I uh, well, Tomb Raider I think is also fairly basic, but it's more grounded. It's not as sci-fi. I I guess my my question would be, what do you mean by reconcile? That's that's the thing I'm confused about. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You have this movie, which is by any definition the bomb. Mm-hmm. And in that same summer, you have the highest grossing like video game movie for the next almost 20 years. Oh, that. Where, where's the middle ground between like, like how do you sure. get Final Fantasy as a property to that level? Exactly. Consider- That's, yeah. Considering you're the Final Fantasy expert, is there a way to mm. drag it to that level? Is That's, it even possible? That's tough because it's inherently going to be very fantastical, whereas, you know, Tomb Raider has more, I think, a grounded, realistic draw in of, you know, oh, we have to, you know, raid some tombs and get the artifact. And, and of course, as Ben and I talked about, the last, like, 20 minutes of Tomb Raider goes batshit insane. But. Final Fantasy would be wholly fantastical. Is there a way to do it to get it to that level? Probably Final Fantasy to the level of a Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Probably not because of the material it's working with. I, I now, as you say it that way, Zach, it really makes me think that this is the kind of the thing that they were thinking. Well, Lara Croft is a sexy female protagonist. We have Angelina Jolie. Let's make our lead female protagonist be as sexy as possible as well. <laughs> Well, there you go. And that, and that, I think that's the way not to do it because that's not what Final Fantasy is. And maybe that's another reason this is so disjoint. You know, something I didn't look up is how other Final Fantasy fans regard this. I, I have to think they're in the same boat as I, I think, am. I don't think that's the issue, though. I don't think Final Fantasy fans are the issue. I think it's mass audiences. Sure, sure. And I think that's the thing. Like, there's a reason why. Like, like what was the last major video game movie? Like, excluding Alicia Vikander, Lara Croft. Um, <laughs> um, Assassin's what, Creed War- comes to mind. I don't remember if Warcraft was before of, or after. When did Warcraft come out? Was that 2016? It might have been the same year as Assassin's Creed. I'm not sure. And that's the thing. Is it like, I think video game movies are inherently toxic when it comes to movies. Sure. And on top of that, at least Lara Croft had the angle of Angelina Jolie. I think I think mm-hmm. that movie only mm-hmm. performed as well as it did because Angelina Jolie was a super was a star like a star or on the verge of becoming a superstar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I and I think Doctor Aki, porch, or voiced by Ming Na Wen, was them trying to emulate that. Yeah, that makes sense. When as we as we flesh that out, I totally understand what you're saying, especially with the the Maxim uh, aspect of it for sure. 
Exactly. And, and they're trying to appeal to that, like, at the time, like, demographic. And that, and that makes perfect sense because when we see this movie, as we've been saying, it's sci-fi action. There is a heavy emphasis on the action. There's a set piece in, the, like, a desert that looks basically like Starship Troopers, except you can see through the aliens more than you can see through the bugs in Starship Troopers. And I'm, I'm not saying, of, of course, there's been guns in Final Fantasy before, but there's never, like, full-on shootouts and stuff like that, where this, this does lean into the action that it seemed like people wanted. Not... Of, of course, also not just from uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, but in, I think, you know, like things like the original Mummy had guns. Uh, the, the Matrix had a bunch of guns. So that makes some sense that they were saying, uh, thinking things like, we need to make this as U.S. Mo- action, mo- or just action movie oriented as possible. That's what people are going to want. And it ended up being just so repetitive and, and like, uh, contrive is not the right words, but like cookie cutter, like you said before. Bland. Yeah, bland. It becomes what you've seen a bunch of times and things like that. Well, it becomes intentionally bland. Yeah. That's the problem. Yes. Is that like I, – I, I don't think – I think we've learned from video game movies, especially now 20 years later in retrospect, is that there's no way to make them uh, mass appeal. Like, yeah. like if a World of Warcraft movie cannot get off the ground, there's no hope for any <laughs> video game franchise. Like whether it be – again – even think about like, think about like think of the movies that are still like in development, Uncharted, mm-hmm. The Last of Us. Those are all for the most part going to be at best niche yeah. and at worst DOA. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's I think it is video game. Watching a video game, not playing it or watching somebody else play it because that's a whole different story. Video game media where you just sit down and watch it. I think it really is going to just thrive. As like flash in the pan seasons on streaming services, like people, I know people love The Witcher, but nobody's going to Netflix to watch The Witcher because oh, this looks interesting. They're already in that zone of hey, that's a I play video games, I know about video games, that's a really popular one, so I want to watch that type of thing. I, I think you're right that mass audiences for movies, the the video game aspect might not draw them in. And as we were talking, I was thinking, well, maybe would a fantastical Final Fantasy type movie sit better today? After we've lived in the universe of Guardians of the Galaxy, where we can now say, oh, here's a here's a big bird that they ride like a horse and, you know, doesn't talk or anything, but interacts with them like it understands what's going on. Would people accept that more now than they would in 2001? Maybe. Would as many people go see it? Still, probably not, though. And so I think maybe you do need something like a... A The Witcher on Netflix, and there's probably other Netflix video game adaptations that I don't know about. Like they've probably done a Resident Evil I'm not aware of. But that's – okay, Resident Evil is a good point, but I think that franchise transcended its title and its roots. Okay. Based on – it eventually just transitioned into an action-adventure zombie franchise. Yes, yes, yes. A c- right. cinematic franchise. And I think that's the thing. Like the reason why – like I don't think it's – I think maybe the issue why Final, Fa- Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within didn't connect in 2001 – might have been because it was too jarring to audiences, just based like on everything as a complete package. Mm-hmm. Audiences today might be more on board with it for its like, or might might be what's the word disillusioned by its weird fantastical elements, sure. as opposed to like audiences twenty years ago. Yeah, but I think the problem now is that it's just not around a franchise they can relate to. Absolutely, everything now is brand identity, and mm-hmm. anything that's not tied to brand identity is immediately discarded. I, you are so – that's a really good thing to bring up. You are so right because if you are not in the video game world – and some, if, if you're not a Final Fantasy player, if you're not an RPG player, I think that's a big deal. But the thing that even I've heard that I think we can 
everybody's experienced at one point or another. Mass audiences, if they released a Final Fantasy movie in like this year, the next few years, and they were like really going to push the uh, any aspect, whether it be this weird non-Final Fantasy thing that we have in this movie, or it's more fantastical throwing in, like I said, the chocobos and the potions and the other ethers and stuff like that. People are going to see that. I feel like mass audiences would see that trailer or see that title. And they would be like, oh, I know a little bit about Final Fantasy. I know it's a long-running video game franchise. And the common joke would be, how could it be the Final Fantasy if there's so many of them? And th- it's it's going to get like derided before it gets any chance to really even start to crawl, not even walk or run. And, and I think that's the thing. Mass audiences are going to see that. They're going to have heard about it very minutely. And they're not going to have that brand recognition, just like you said. That is That is so true. And it's a bummer. <laughs> I think there's also a thing now too. Like, like I don't even know. If, again, that's a weird thing too. Is that like, like oh god, the two. And, and obviously, Rob, you have your fingers more in the pie of video game like culture than I do. But when it comes to film adaptations of video game properties, like the two biggest ones right now are what Uncharted and Last of Us, right? Or, or am I wrong? Un, I know. Is there anything un, else in development? Uncharted, they want to push. I've been hearing about. I think what they even want Tom Holland to play Nathan Drake. Um, yeah. And and Last of Us, they've always been trying. But see, this is you bring up an interesting point. Um, Uncharted is the one I hear about a lot. I don't hear about too many others, but that that's the biggest point. Is now the the video games that they are trying to push through the pipeline to make movies of are basically already movies. Like, there's gameplay in in Uncharted games and The Last of Us, don't get me wrong, but they more turn into, and video games as a whole, the really popular video games of these days, turn into interactive stories rather than what video games used to be. And that's the thing where I feel like they they might be like, oh, this is going to do better because there's so many cinematic elements in these games already, we can expand on it. And I think that's what they were trying to do with Assassin's Creed, but I don't really know too much about the, the history of that movie. But that's the thing where it's like, oh... These movies are becoming more and more cinematic. We can turn them into a movie and that type of thing. And 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 you're right that those, I think, are the ones we're going to see where, you know, we're not going to get anything like, um, I'm trying to think of an older video game. You know, maybe Assassin's Creed Bioshock. is a good example. Bioshock. Bi- Bioshock also. Bioshock also is also very cinematic, but that's kind of on the cusp when we started that, that thing. Um, and also, I guess we should mention, because it's a, in a total different category, uh, Pokemon. Pokemon is, of course, a video game based well, movie, okay. but that's well, a that, different well, type of franchise, I would say. It is a different type of franchise, but it, it's a it's a modern example. But even look at how remember I can still remember when Rob and I were like in the theater for uh, Avengers Endgame. We saw the preview for Pokemon. I got Detective Pikachu. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh man, this is gonna make all the money. This yeah. is gonna make all the money. And guess what? It did not make all the money. Yeah, yeah. Very surprising to me. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think that's the issues that like <clears throat> like video game audiences <clears throat> and for the God, for the God, the longest time now, I think it's pretty safe to say Pokemon has been a video game franchise. Like oh, yeah. the cartoon is still there, though. But for the most part, that's kind of ignored. Mm-hmm. Even the card game, it's still there. But for the most part, it is ignored. Yep. And guess what? That film underperformed across the board. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that is – that's the thing. I think video game – I don't think there's any such thing as like – I don't think you can make a video game movie successful right now. I, I just – I don't think there's such thing – there's nothing – there's no element you can plug in unless you dupe the audience into it somehow. Yeah. Unless you call it something else, I don't think there's any way to uh, – What's the word? Other than making a genuinely good product that's marketed spectacularly, 
I don't think you yeah. can make a successful video game movie. I'm inclined to agree, absolutely. And uh, that that's kind of the bummer because I think there's a lot of really cool ideas in a lot of video games, and but the fact that it's not going to connect and and it is it's I don't know it's such an interesting concept. I know Ben and I talked about this a little bit at the end of the Tomb Raider stuff. That discussion, of course, was a lot more about how ridiculously bad some things in those movies are, but. It, it comes it comes down to like this weird disconnect, and I think you were getting at it before with the um with with just video gamers are almost like a different class or a different breed of of common moviegoers or mass audiences, and and I I don't think that the movie studios have any understanding of how to reach them. I feel like the movie studios for almost all of time trying to make video game movies have said, oh, this should be successful because it has a built-in audience. And they don't realize that there is this disconnect type of thing. And even when you do get somebody to show up, a, a video game player to show up to a movie, they're, I think, predisposed to be a lot more toxic to, about the movie than you know, a mass audience just moviegoer would be. But that's just speaking from, I guess, the internet culture and experience I've had with with these things in the in the past. Um, but you're right; none of them do well. I mean, but they're at the same time they're good movies. I kind of like the Assassin's Creed movie. There's some interesting ideas. I have seen it. I, or we should say at the end of um, uh, our Tomb Raider episode, I told Ben I hadn't seen it yet, but I have watched it since. And there's some cool ideas, but it does get bogged down in a lot of you know I think convoluted lore and world building and stuff. And maybe that's just because I'm not a fan or not played the Assassin's Creed games. It's just so wild to me, Zach. It's wild. I think a lot of it also comes down to video game. Uh, gamers are a very unique class yes. of like consumers. And I think there's also the aspect of like gamers are known for being for the most part. What's the word? Very technologically affluent people. Mm -hmm. So they're the type that automatically think about it. like, if you know how to play war, if you're a fan of like world of Warcraft, you also know how to torrent something. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so you are making a product for someone who's tailor-made to, uh, let's put it as delicately as possible, consume it without paying it, mm -hmm. paying for it. And then on top of that, gamers also are a type that are very, very steeped in individuality. And they don't like things that are mass consumption. Yeah, and I, I think that's a big thing with the like if, if video game players and I'm, I'm I think when anybody plays video games, if you get really into something, uh, a video a specific video game, you you get into that like you know sense of it's like oh this is how I play these things, this is how I interpret the mechanics they're giving me and how I deal with them. Where the there's this level oh, there's an inherent level of non interaction with a film that I think doesn't appeal to them. And there's there's something there where you know. Do I want to see? Do I like Final Fantasy VII Advent Children? Yeah, for the most part, that's an interesting movie. But a lot of my like, my love for that movie comes from the fact that I got to play through Final Fantasy VII multiple times, make different choices as I went through those games each time I played them, and I really have a sense of connection to Final Fantasy. Where it's like if I just like when I saw Assassin's Creed, it's like I. I don't know. I don't really know anything about Assassin's Creed. You know, I know that uh, we have shots of the point of view from an eagle because that's like how they get around loading screens in those games. And I know those things where I feel like, you know, video gamers are going to go see. Maybe that was another example. I always think of Prince of Persia with Jake Gyllenhaal, where I feel like people went to see that movie. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> I would have loved to choose to go back in time at certain places. That's the that's the premise of the game is you get to choose when to use the sands of time. And I imagine that people went into the theaters and saw that and were like. Well, fuck, I would have used it then, and they get angry that they don't have that control, and that, that's just a hypothesis, I, but I could see it. But I don't even know if it's that far, though. I think it's also the idea that, like, gamers, like, 
they enjoy something because it's like I said, it's tailor made. Like the experience is tailor made to them. Yeah. And then when you open up, like when you deliberately homogenize it, they immediately are just like alienated yes. yeah. by it. Yeah, I think I think yeah, definitely. You're you're not wrong. And I, and I think that's the issue. It's kind of like there's like and this is probably not the best comparison. I remember this was years ago. That like I think it was like Bentley, like the car company, like mm-hmm. deliberately like lowered their prices and their sales went down. Okay. Because their pre-existing clientele did not like the car, did not like the fact that they were making the brand less exclusive. Sure, sure. And I think that's the problem. When gamers feel like something's becoming more and more inclusive, and I don't mean that like in, a, in the typical sense of what that means, inclusive. Yeah. But like just like it's like more broad appeal. They re- inherently reject that. Yeah. And, and, and that goes back to why I said originally in that. They also are a audience that's tailor made to be able to consume the product without paying admission. Mm-hmm. No, no, that that's actually a good point in the um, in making it broad and stuff like that because I think that you know, of course, I'm, they they exist, of course, but most people, most people play video games, have the types of video games that they like, and they're going to play them. Like I am an RPG person. Like I, I I'm no, I'm not a Call of Duty player because you know I'm not into just you know the the run and gun shooting type of thing. I just absolutely love, like, turn-based combat. That's me. But there's other people who are the complete opposite, where they spend their lives, you know, playing League of Legends and getting really good at that, that, that real-time strategy type of stuff. And, and I think that what you were saying makes perfect sense, where once it becomes homogenized, where it's like, oh, we want to hit all four quadrants with this type of thing, that takes away a lot of what, though, that built-in, you know, audience for that movie loves about the video game. You're homogenizing the stuff that really draws them to it and things like that. Maybe I think this might all be coming down to something I know Ben and I briefly mentioned about video game movies. Maybe the way to make a video game movie is make it like a goofy might not be the right word, but like a very self-aware comedy. Like I, I talked Ben and I talked about how you know in the modern Tomb Raider games, which I've played, Lara Croft heals herself while you hold down a button to craft a healing thing, and you need like you need like a piece of cloth and some plant. Maybe the way to make a good video game movie is you own the fact that video games are inherently nonsense, and you have a Lara Croft-type character get a cut on her arm, she takes a little piece of plant, puts it on a cloth, puts it on her arm, and she's magically healed. And the movie should own that. It should be meta with how ridiculous that is. Maybe that's the best way to make a video game movie. Play up the fact that some of aspects of video games are inherently ridiculous. <laughs> but remember, when you do that, though, you're it's the... The Guardians of the Galaxy. Look, there's a talking yes. raccoon in a tree. That's the double-edged sword. Pe- yeah, and people, you either again, it, again, that's where you gotta give James Gunn credit with Guardians of the Galaxy because that's a very fine line to walk. Because mm-hmm. remember, also gamers are very, very, what's the word? They scrutinize things. Yes, yes. and if they see you is is mocking the thing that they love. They will reject it. You're right. There's a fine line there where I even mentioned before I said in this movie they could have done like a joke about getting a side quest, and which I think could be done really well. Where if you have like the, oh, we're here, we have to go, you know, if in like Final Fantasy fashion, they have to go kill God. And while they're about to go kill God, they decide to like help a child find their lost cats. Like, I think that could be played for a really, really good comedic effect. And I think there is some fine line. Like you said, you don't want to offend the stuff that they love, but we could make fun of the things that bother them. Because I think every person who's ever played video games, at one point or another, you're going to get angry about a camera angle. You're going to get angry about loss of control over what you can see. 
build that into a movie. But you're absolutely right that if you start to but, make fun of certain things that they like, they're going to be like, well, no, I, I think that is goofy and nonsensical, but I like it. There's this defensiveness that comes into play. But, but look at it this way. Even if you do that meta stuff correctly, you then risk alienating general audiences because yeah. you're not going to get the joke. I was, I was thinking that same thing is that even if you flip the side, flip the coin and do it this way that we're describing, you're still losing a huge portion of your audience because I feel then people are going to see it as, you know, it, it, not, it wouldn't be called scary movie. It would be called video game movie. And people would see it as this bad slaps or think of it as this bad slaps to comedy. And you're, yeah, you're right. It's maybe this is the unsolvable problem. <laughs> But I guess, look at it this way. If Detective Pikachu cannot become like a smash hit, mm-hmm. there's no hope for any video game property. That, that's actually a good a good point because if there's like the biggest video games on the planet, the lasting video game franchises, Pokemon, if not at the top, is right near the top. If that can't work, what can? You're absolutely right. What hope is there for a Tomb Raider, which has been done for a an uncharted type of thing, and that's and that's what it comes back to is that like like Warcraft is like based on World of Warcraft, which is like the largest video game thing to ever exist, mm-hmm. but that is a very specific type of audience. Yes, Pokemon is the definition of broad appeal. Absolutely, because even if you don't play the video games, you could be like, oh, I really like that yellow rat thing with the lightning tail. You might not exactly. even know that it's named Pikachu. You'd be like, that's cute. I got a sticker of it on my car. <laughs> exactly. And if that can't succeed, there's no hope for any video game You're franchise. Right. You're right. And I think that's what it boils down to. Anything else? Like I said, like, no. I, th- I think you have both sides of the spectrum, as in you have Detective Pikachu and Warcraft, and considering that both did not do well mm-hmm. on a worldwide level, there's there's you'd be insane to try anything else unless you take the Angelina Jolie route of Tomb Raider where you base it around the star and just use that as a title. Sure. You use that as a hook and no more. Yeah, yeah. And and as we, as we say that and got it a little bit earlier, that is, I think, exactly now that you describe it that way, what they were doing with this movie. Uh, name trying to get name recognition. Um, I, guess, I guess also we should say, like I mentioned, it took this movie four years to be made. So when this movie got kicked to the production was right around the same time that Final Fantasy VII came out, and that was huge. Huge in the video game community, of course. That revolutionized what a video game and an RPG could be. And I, I think they were trying... That was like the, the impetus of like, oh, wow, this was so popular. This was groundbreaking. Let's do the movie with Final Fantasy. Everybody's going to know Final Fantasy. Takes them four years. That dies out. And they don't even have, like, mass audiences knowing that. Yeah, you're right. This this might be – it might be impossible. Not to say don't try it. Please, somebody, make the meta Final Fantasy movie that I'm, I'm mentioning. I would really love to see that. Because, <laughs> Zach, don't you want to go see weird, quirky characters with, with unwieldy weapons and spiky hair go fight God? <laughs> don't you want to see that? <laughs> Isn't that called like Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy already? Don't, don't we already have that? Fighting God. They're not fighting God. They're not fighting God. Thanos. Thanos is the Mad Titan, Rob. He's a Mad Titan, but he's not literal God. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Rob a lot. Remember also Marvel. Marvel and the uh, hegemonic figures at the Walt Disney Company have also <laughs> borrowed and stolen from a lot of this already. Absolutely. No. Yeah. You're not. You're not wrong. Um, but I mean, that's all. That's. But maybe that's the thing. Maybe it is always like kind of I, I love it in the Final Fantasy games because you get to play through it. You get to make choices. You get to go at your own pace and stuff like that. There is a, a level of appreciation that I have for those types of video games. As much as problems I have with video games in general, I love that aspect of them. 
and it 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 just probably doesn't translate well to movies, which makes total sense. Uh, it's a bummer, kind of. I mean, but it, it's total sense. The other side of this, I guess we should say, we need more of what they did with the Super Mario Brothers movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want more Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo as Italian plumbers? <laughs> that's a that's that's a whole other thing entirely. One that day, a... I feel we will talk about that one day. <laughs> I don't care about that movie. That movie is just, again, it's just the, uh, it's like a Coke rip of a dream. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> just like, someone like did a Coke, like did a bump of Coke and was like, let's make a movie around this. And it's like, like that's the thing. Like, it's just, it's insanity. Like, there's also, like, we talk about, like, oddities on this podcast. But, like, there's also a point of no return when it comes to, like, bonkers, where it's just, like, you're just making nonsense for the sake of nonsense. Sure. Nobody said no. Like, again, like, and that's also that's also a movie that's been discussed to death. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. Well, we could discuss it more. <laughs> I haven't seen that in so damn long either. <laughs> that's, that's one I don't have for the PSP, unfortunately. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess that was... The overarching concept of video game movies, of course, is important, and I think really, once again, this is a very bland movie. I think this is this conversation is ne- necessarily needs something else to go along with. Like you mentioned before, this movie bond with mass audiences. From what I found, the critical reviews were pretty lukewarm, like right in the middle. Um, there was one that I wanted to point out. It was by a review by Dan Myers from Sight and Sound. He gave this film. He was on the positive side of neutral, which I guess all the reviews came down to which side of neutral are you on. On the positive side of neutral, he described that this movie fits the Final Fantasy motif of, and I quote, a party of heroes averts impending global holocaust by drawing on their individual skills, gaining knowledge through challenges and emerging victorious with newfound love and respect for themselves and their companions, end quote. This might be the best one-sentence description of Final Fantasy I've ever read. But in no way, shape, or form do I get that from this movie. I guess Global Holocaust, fine. Ghost aliens are sucking their souls out, it seems, which is never funny. Goddamn ghost aliens, man. Goddamn ghost aliens. Or alien ghosts, ghost aliens, whatever the proper one is. But Party of Heroes, I guess, there's characters that work as a team together. None of them have any real, you know, like, specific character traits. I don't really think of them as, you know... This is something I was saying before. Give each of them their own crazy weapon, their quirky personality. They each have a different fucking weird, impossible hairstyle. Do that. That's when you get your party of heroes. But drawing on their individual skills, they all just fire guns. Like, none of the soldiers are better at anything else. We're, we're, that, that makes sense. Like, Final Fantasy, a big thing in the games is you have job classes. Like, even in the when they did the Zodiac Age, the like the, the Final Mix-type version of Final Fantasy twelve, they introduced classes. So, you know, you have your mages, you have your warriors, you have your, your samurai, and, and you don't have that in this movie. They all fucking fire guns. And then Aki Ross is better at science than the other ones. I, I mean, and then gaining, through, gaining knowledge through challenges... No? What knowledge do they gain? We know at the beginning of the movie they have to find two more spirits. It's not like they have to, which I wanted, go to a new city to find the spirit. They just have to go to the fucking desert, which is boring as hell. And then newfound love and, and respect for themselves and their companions? It's not newfound love! The, one of the things that drove me crazy at the start of this movie is that Alec Baldwin's character already knows Aki Ross. Like, he says something when he takes off his helmet, he's like, you haven't changed a bit, or something like that. One of the things that everybody knows I hate in movies is romance. 
Final Fantasy always has a romance, but it's it's like it is is established in the game. It's never like, oh, we have history, we have pre-established stuff that we're just gonna hint at. And that's what this movie did, and that bothered me. And so Dan Myers, I don't know what the hell you were smoking. You wrote you clearly understand what Final Fantasy is, but I have no idea how you connect that to this movie. This movie was anything but I that also, sentence but, he wrote. But also keep in mind what okay, Rob, two thousand one. Two thousand one, Rob, two thousand one. Put yourself in that headspace. You you just dealt with Shrek, Lara Croft, <laughs> and Lord knows in Pearl Harbor. Like, I, put yourself in that mindset. Like, again, we also take a lot of the what we've like. This is a weird movie. Like, I and when we talk about Tron, mm-hmm. we talk about how like what that film's place is in like film history and the advancement of technology in a cinematic sense. Is Final Fantasy the spi- spirits within the Tron of, of two thousand of the early two thousands? That's a yeah, probably. That's if if this movie does have any lasting legacy, I feel like it would be the the technology and the look of it and how it was kind of the it, uh, the sign of things to come. And that's the thing, though. Like, um, whereas Tron was so aesthetically unique that, it's, and plus, its uh, production was like its production design was so exclusive and yes. arduous yes. that no one ever had the audacity to try to duplicate it. Final Fantasy didn't have that luxury that's or didn't exactly. have that. Yeah. And that's the thing. We're like, this movie is so boring in yes. boilerplate. Yeah. And yet it just, it kind of, again, it's a great foundation of what things were to come. Like what would be, like, what would be the successor to this, Rob? Like what's the next movie that would follow in this film? And I don't talk about like video game movies. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just like in stylistic, like, like live action like human blah, blah blah like what like a Zemeckis film would that be the next thing did they use did they use motion capture for any of this yeah yeah they did do some motion capture that was in their 40 million dollar Hawaii studio uh they built their their render farm took up most of the space and then there was a little bit for motion capture and voice acting <laughs> but the, I, you're right I'm glad you bring up Zemeckis because that's what I was thinking as well um is that this seems to be the precursor for you know I'm trying to think of like Monster House for Tintin eventually I guess in a little way Mars Needs Moms but that had a, its own fantastical elements to it but I but I think that is kind of definitely you know we try and get more f- Monster House might be the best example we try and get photorealistic but keep that sense of animation where this was going for straight up realism Monster House was I think what 2005 2006 six I think it's 2006 okay. so yeah that's a pretty close there's probably some in there I'm not remembering but I think in the mid 2000s is when this type of animation really becomes accepted uh, not that it wasn't accepted now in 2001, but it becomes like, oh, you know, it's okay if this movie gets gets made this way type but, of thing. Sure. But also, too, like, look at it this way, too. So, like, when you come to, like, realistic, like, live-action characters, mm-hmm. who is more convincing, Dr. Aki or Princess Fiona from Shrek? Who is a <laughs> – and I'm not talking about the context of the, yeah. of the film. But on a visual level, which one is, A, much more believable as, like, a real character and, B, aesthetically pleasing? I think Dr. Aki, of course. Really? Absolutely, yeah. I I, be- I, I believe Princess Fiona is more realistic than Dr. Aki. Dr. Aki is a cardboard cutout come to life. Like, that's the thing. Like, as I was watching this, this felt like a great PS3 cutscene. Uh, no, you're not wrong there. And and yet, maybe that's the thing of, of the, the separate – because like I said in our Shrek episode, I think Fiona's design is horrendous. But there is a sense of losing some of the photorealism in Shrek to gain – emotion and facial expression and connection uh you're not wrong that dr aki looks like a cardboard cutout 
But I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, a, a f- an image of somebody on a cardboard cutout does look more realistic to me than, than you know, the CGI in Shrek. But that's, that's, I, I, that's an interesting point you bring up, though. I think there's a lot for mass audiences to get back on that perspective. There's a lot in that facial expression that you get from Shrek and other things that are a little looser with their realism and technology that you don't get in this movie. Because that was one of the things that definitely stood out to me is that a lot of our characters... What they're what we're hearing come out of their mouths does not match up with how little their face is moving, type of thing. But that's what I'm getting at, though. You don't have that problem with Princess Fiona and Shrek. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I know, I know, we've kind of had this discussion throughout all of Cinemodities. I, I guess I'm a weird form of autistic that doesn't really care about people's facial expressions. <laughs> I'm fine with them all having Botox in Final Fantasy Spirits Within. I think that's what I'm saying. But that's the thing, but like, it's just there's so, there's a level of just like even like how the camera is placed and camera movement in Final Fantasy that like there's a couple of shots where like like they're trying to emulate like a handheld shot. Yes, and it's so jarring. And you have other moments where like the camera is a a video game cutscene level mm-hmm. where it's static at one angle and the characters essentially move around yeah and the camera just will not move to, no matter how unnatural it looks and feels sure sure and that's my issue is that like like i said i don't think shrek's r- release in existence affected this at all mm-hmm. but i think in retrospect you can see why the tide turned in one particular direction yes yeah you're not wrong there absolutely and I, I think it is that trade-off between these, these. This is so strict with its technology and trying to be photorealistic um, that, and Shrek is a little looser. Any CGI thing I think this time is a little looser. Makes it a little more fun for a lot of people. Um, oh, I mean, even on that, that, when we say that, it makes me think of um, the Lion King remake. Like, the, let's make Lion King as photorealistic as possible, and everybody goes, "Why?" You know. I think maybe this falls into that same category. Why do we need this animation to be that photorealistic? And also, I'm, I, I'm kind of uh, guilty of this as well. I've said many times before, if you can draw, like, a hand-draw a photorealistic image, good for you, but why? That's also kind of where I come from this. Like, if you can draw an apple that if you put that drawing next to a real apple and film it from the right angle, you can't tell the difference, cool. But what purpose does that serve? Because you can take a picture of that apple. I, I guess kind of I, th- I feel I see that same way with this where it's like, you know, they did it kind of, but to what end? And do, do most people care about that, if that makes any sense? Not to well, take yeah, away from you, the- Zach. I know you can draw photorealistic apples. It's a good talent, but <laughs> I can take a picture goddamn, of an apple. <laughs> goddamn right. I can do it in my sleep. Um, but yeah, this feels almost like an exercise in futility. Yes, yes. That would be my pull quote for the DVD box. Zach Cinematis. An exercise in futility. <laughs> no, and I think that's also – I agree with you there. And why I was saying before that it feels like it's wasted on something so cookie-cutter, bland, basic sci-fi action story that personally I would have liked to seen it uh, – this, this flex of technology on this fantastical world of Final Fantasy – and would it have looked weird? Probably. Would we have been more forgiving of it because they're animating things that don't exist in the real world? Maybe. But there's there's also the side of it that eventually, not eventually, this is what video games do grow towards, is making video game graphics look more and more realistic. For the most part, of course, don't get me wrong, you have your people that like their, you know, 16-bit animation style still exists and games still come out with that. I mean, Cuphead, Retro's animation style, people went bonkers for. Uh, but... Video games, for the most part, do become, and I've had the conversation with people with what has the better graphics. And 
it, it I've also kind of seen that as an exercise in futility. You know, I I've always been of the mindset. Well, I just want to have fun while I'm playing it. I don't give a I couldn't give two shits if you can see rust on Master Chief's armor. That is so irrelevant to me. But people care a lot about that. And maybe this this spread and diversity and all these different opinions in video games is gets at what we were saying before and why they don't hone in and work for mass audiences or for any of these subsets. They seem so spread out. It's crazy, Zach. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not wrong. But yeah, I I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think this I don't care when this movie is released and how technologically advanced it is, regardless of what era it's mm-hmm. um, released in. I think this film is always doomed to fail. Because like there's just yeah. this like it's like nothing is like everything feels so just like this feels like an elaborate mass effect cutscene. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like every every character is too pretty, every character is too cardboard. And then, like, even the characters, like, there's another aspect of this film that, like, we haven't, like, probably my favorite character in the film is, um, like, oh, God, SS Government Matrix Man. Okay. <laughs> uh, voiced by James Woods, and he has yes. my favorite line of dialogue in the entire film. Where is the poof? Oh, my God, Zach, I wrote uh, that down. <laughs> like, that's great. Like I, like, I was just like, oh, God, the ham. Like, I love it. Oh, where is the proof? I have to agree. I have to agree. My favorite scene in the movie probably was that uh, council meeting explaining the options to deal with the alien ghosts because of James Woods. <laughs> Where is the, the proof? proof? And then we get we get Doc. The one thing they take from Final Fantasy is that I think every Final Fantasy after like four, maybe even three, there's a character, whether minor or major, named Sid. And we have Dr. Sid in this movie. That's the one thing they decide to take from the Final Fantasy universe. And I just love that scene where Dr. Sid's like, okay, the Earth is alive. We can't hurt the Earth. It might be bad in the long run. And James Woods is like, you fucking nerd, I'm gonna blow you up with the Zeus cannon. (laughs) And it's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. He's the best character in the film. And A, we don't get enough time with him, and B, he dies like in the worst way possible. Yeah, he di- he dies in the the cookie cutter like oh I have my rage of power or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I have a question. While we're on James Woods, great character, great. He's just doing James Woods voice, which I totally buy as an evil person. I think ever since like you know um, uh, Hades in in Hercules and stuff like that. Okay, so we get a scene. I think when like he's going to the Zeus cannon at the end of the movie because he he. He's like, I'm gonna destroy a little bit of of New York to get them to uh, give me the go ahead on the Zeus cannon. Ends up destroying all of New York, and he's like, Well, shit, I don't care. I'm gonna use the Zeus cannon. While he's flying to the Zeus cannon in his spaceship, there's a scene where he like holds a gun to his temple, and it looks like he's about to shoot himself. And I had no idea what was going on or why that was even necessary. Did that stand out to you? Would you have any reason or understanding of why he was like ready to just blow his brains out? It seemed. Um, no, like that was weird. Like that, when that part's happening in the film, I, I, I too was like, what? Yeah. I'm like, what is going on right now? Cause I know earlier in the film when he has like a little like sidekick character, lower the shields in New York. And he's like, what have I done? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, are, are, are we have like, like a moment of resource, like a uh, remorse? No. And I do know, like, like, obviously when we get more toward like the climax of the film and we have Alec Baldwin and Dr. Aki Aki, like I know they cut a bunch of stuff out. 
I wouldn't be surprised if there's some more nuanced moments at the studio. Just like, nope, get it out. Sure. Like, make it lean. Cut okay. it. Cut yeah. it. Like, it's going to be jarring for North American audiences. Um, it could also, there's also an aspect of this, too, that maybe we haven't factored into. is like the cultural barrier. Oh, sure. as to what As to what's applicable for, like, someone of more of a Eastern sensibility versus Western sensibility. Yep. Yep. There's that aspect as well. But, yeah, when it comes to uh, James Woods and the gun to the temple, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, he's showing remorse. Nope. Yeah, because he, he holds it up, and I'm literally watching going, what, what is this? How, where did we, how did we get here? How is he ready to kill himself? And then his spaceship is like, destination, Zeus cannon, arrival, fucking whatever. And he's like, okay, I'm not going to die. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> um, speaking of stuff that got cut out, which I, if, I think you just mentioned you read a little bit of it. From the ending, the thing they removed that apparently would have made it make more sense, which I don't think so, uh, the eighth spirit is in Aki's unborn child, she is su- she's supposed to be pregnant at the end of the movie, in- and also giving motivation for Alec Baldwin to kill himself at the end of the movie. Um, there's a wonderfully written IMDb trivia fact that gets at this. Of course, there's 90,000 fucking IMDb trivia facts that say she's pregnant and they cut it out. But there's one IMDb trivia fact that basically says something like, the end of the movie doesn't make a lot of sense as critics and audiences revealed in 2001. It turns out that they cut out a storyline or a plot point that Aki was pregnant with uh, Alec Baldwin, whatever his character name, Gray, his his child by the end of the film. And then the, the IMDb trivia fact says like, them cutting this out directly caused confusion in audiences. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> I was like, you can post a lot of shit on IMDb trivia, but that seems way too strong. <laughs> because I don't think if, if they had a line where it was like, oh, Dr. Sid, I'm pregnant, that's where the spirit is, I don't think every would've, everybody would have went, oh, I get it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what the ace spirit is there. She's pregnant. Yeah, no, I saw that too, and <clears throat> I saw that trivia fact before I'd even watched the film. Okay. And, like, when I got to that, I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I kind of just shrugged. Um, my, my problem but, is with the end of the movie is not the fact that Alec Baldwin sacrifices himself because she's pregnant. I think it's fine that he's sacrificing himself for the goddamn sake of the planet Earth. My problem is that it, it out of no reason, he can hold on to Aki and fucking project his spirit wave throughout the world to cancel out the ghosts. Like, what the hell is that? Like, how how is his soul become an amplifier when he's touching Dr. Aki? Is, is, that's, is, is that what happens? That's what I, I thought of that. it as. Because he, he, like, holds her over the cliff, and he's like, well, I'm going to hold you down away from the ghosts, and I'm going to be in the ghosts, and they're going to suck my soul, and when my soul gets sucked, it's going to suck out the wave from your fetus, and it's going to cancel out the ghosts, and we're not going to worry about the rights of these ghosts. We're just going to fucking murder them all. And it's the weirdest thing. Uh, that's the problem. Is I that what the happens? End. That's how I took... Well, the premise of the movie is they want to construct the, the like, inverted wave of the ghost's frequency to cancel them out. And well, it turns sure, out that her course, fetus has but... the power. <laughs> like, okay, sure. But, like, at the same time, though, I'm like, like, okay, that's what's happening? Like, all I know, like, as, like, like a... Oh, God. Ugly American. <laughs> All I know is that Alec Baldwin, animated Alec Baldwin, like, sacrifices himself. Yes. Well, Even with the added context of her being pregnant, I'm just like, sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. Like, I don't think that's else. the confusing like, part. <laughs> I, yeah. So, like, I just, I, I can't, I don't know. I think this is, once again, one of those things where maybe there's a cultural barrier. Sure. That, uh... 
that whether it be through just production or editing deliberately or unintentionally makes it very much hard for me to grasp. Okay. Yeah, sure. But like, yeah, like I was, I was like, okay. Like in the, in the movie just kind of like, we see like an Eagle and then we're just like, okay, movie over. <laughs> yeah. The, and I'm like, I, okay. Like, that I had that thought. It literally, they like, um, they, they, he sacrificed himself and the wave like cancels out all the ghosts and then it just cuts to credits. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I expected some type of, you know, like, you know, yub-nub celebration in Houston where Keith David went. I think he goes to Houston after New York blows up. And but no, it just literally ends. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. Um, But yeah, I I that's how I took the ending that Alec Baldwin, for some reason, was able to act as an amplifier for a, a wave coming out of a fetus. I'm totally fine if the fetus has a wave power. Not fine with Alec Baldwin being an amplifier for that. That, that, that don't buy. Come on. Come on. Bob's like, come on. Bob's like, there's a line. You just don't cross it. It would have made more sense if they had, if they like, you know, like took over the Zeus cannon and was like, instead of firing whatever the hell the Zeus cannon was firing, it was going to fire the wave or something like that. I, I don't know. I'm also, like I said before, I'm in the mindset that I really wanted there to be a third act reveal that James Woods was a puppet of God and God was trying to kill Earthlings so that the, the, the ghosts could take over or something. That's what I wanted from this movie. Remember that. <laughs> Come on, Rob. Come on. Let's not reinvent the wheel right here. <laughs> So, so yeah, that whole ending is nonsense, and sorry, IMDb trivia person, you suck. It has nothing to do with whether she's pregnant or not. Who gives a shit? So, one of the, now that we're on the topic of this act, the content of this movie, I have to, we have to talk about, I think I absolutely hated Steve Buscemi's character. Multiple times in the movie, Steve Buscemi is asking the audience questions directly, and they are the questions we have about the movie ourselves. Like, there's that scene at the beginning when they, he's, she saves Alec Baldwin from the parasite with the weird futuristic medical thing. And after uh, Dr. Aki leaves, like, the three other soldiers, like, walk toward the camera. And they, like, ask the questions that we have as an audience. And it is the dumbest thing I've seen in a while. What's with her? What's with her and the captain? What's with her and that stupid plant? And then he even does it later on, and it drove me crazy. Like, some of the dial, a lot of the dialogue in here, I was groaning at. But did that stand out to you, how Steve Buscemi was, like, noticeably the audience surrogate? Or, or not audience surrogate, totally, but asking questions like, What's the deal with that plant she just got? We saved our, we, like, risked our lives so she could get a plant. You ever wonder what's about that plant? And it's like, yes, because I'm sitting here watching the movie. And that's 20 minutes in. Yes, I had that thought, Steve Buscemi. Drove me crazy. <laughs> well, Steve Buscemi is just so jarring because he has such a distinguished voice. But yeah, that. So yeah. no matter what he's saying, it just stands out. Like, obviously, like, on top of where is the proof, the second best line is, that's amore. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That, and, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Fuck that, man. When he's trying to unhook the ship near the end, when him and, uh, and, the, and, and Perry Gilpin's character are, like, like fending things off, ghosts off from the ship— He's like, do you think we're going to make this out of alive? Do you think Dr. Aki and uh, Alec Baldwin are going to get together? Do you think that we can really save the planet? Do you think this Gaia theory is real? And I'm like, I'm like, stop fucking talking. Like, I know, I know I'm watching a movie. <laughs> Jane, let me ask you something. You think we're going to get out of here alive? I mean, I wonder if anybody else has gotten out. You think anyone's made it this far? Huh? Uh, you think this eight spirit stuff is really going to work against the phantoms? I mean, what if it's all a bunch of mumbo jumbo? Ow! 
Jane, do you mind if we stop talking? I'm trying to concentrate here. It really infuriated me. Yeah, I, you know, like every he's probably the most egregious because of his voice. Yes, but yeah. like every character in this movie is horrible. Like, like other than the James Woods Matrix character, <laughs> is there any character that's actually likable in this movie? Oh no, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there's. I kind of want to say Keith David, but that's because it's Keith David, and I love me a Keith David. <laughs> but he has so little to do in the movie that it's kind of like, you know, whatever. I guess I, I do want to mention this moment, but it kind of made me go on board with Alec Baldwin's character. Because there's the scene when Ving Rhames gets, like, stabbed through the stomach, and... They, he, they're like, oh, we have to help him or something like that. And Ving Rhames goes, no, just leave me here. Just give me a gun. And Alec Baldwin's character goes, okay, gives him a gun and leaves. And I'm like, yes, no bullshit. <laughs> Anybody hurt? Captain. Oh, God. Talk to me, Sarge. Ouch. Give me a hand, Jane. Right. No, wait. We're risking further injury. We, we need the proper tools to cut him out. They're in my ship. Uh, no. No doc. No drugs. Captain? You heard the man. We'll find the ship and be back for you. I'll stay with him. Me too. Nobody's staying. Just give me a gun. You got it. Give him a weapon. Do it. We'll be back for you, Sergeant. You hear me? I hear you, Captain. Now get out of here. Let's move out. And I was so on board with that. So I'm, that made me like Alec Baldwin a little better that he was clearly on mission. Yeah, he's oh god. Like every character in this movie, though, is just such a oh god. They're on such a straight line. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like this does feel like a video game movie, and it's how painfully like straightforward like every character is. Sure, sure. And they because that's the thing. They have their they're straightforward, but it's not even in the way that I, I was saying I wanted from a Final Fantasy or video game movie where they're straightforward with their weird, quirky stuff that makes them stand out. They're straightforward in their mediocrity and blandness. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's just, like, again, there, there's no... I don't even know, like, without repeating myself. Like, that's the thing. Like, there, there are no characters in this movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nobody has any character arcs. Nobody has any growth, except for maybe the Alec Baldwin character. I, I not. I don't even think really. I mean, in the sense that well, he, go, he, he learns goes. He goes from a skeptic. That, he goes from a skeptic yeah, to a believer. Yeah. I was about to say guess. that he learns that the the planet has a spirit. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody else is just like like Aki is. She doesn't have any fundamental change. She gets pregnant. Well, I mean, we don't know that, but we kind of do. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Is it like I just. Probably like that, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I just no. I, there's like, yeah, you have that layer of it, but I think it's for the most part, the movie just doesn't give it the sort of attention it deserves. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it, it, it is so. I think what we're talking about is very like surface level, very just like they're checking the boxes almost. And I even feel that way about the romance. Like I said, if they had a good romance, you know, start show it from the start, let it develop. Maybe that's what a video game can do better than a movie because we inherently have so much more time in a video game. But the the romance scenes were very groany. I mean, not even just the the kiss when they do kiss looks really weird. But there's that scene when I think you know we know now as an audience that uh, Doctor Aki has the 
an alien ghost inside of her, and it's contained because they have a partial wave to cancel. They they don't have the wave to cancel the ghost. They have the wave to stop the ghost or whatever the fuck it is. But he they're in like the um the the lift or whatever when Steve Buscemi stops it so they can have a moment. And, you know, Alec Baldwin's like, oh, we should be together. And Dr. Aki says, I don't know how much time I have left. And he responds with, nobody does. And I was audibly like, oh, like it was the same reaction I had to the goddamn stuttering uh, proposal scene from uh, from Pearl Harbor, where I was like, no, movie, no. <laughs> Come on, Rob, that's Amore. That's, is it Amore? Is it? I don't know if it's Amore, <laughs> I hate everything. One thing I do want to bring up, though, and it goes back to like the council sequences. Right, right in. How... And tell us if you think that's a more. <laughs> that's a more. Okay, yeah, council um, sequence, which I I really liked that scene. Sure, like 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 the like the one that we get. Was it me, or did it feel almost identical to the council sequences from The Matrix Reloaded? Oh, yes, 100%. Like, almost, like, identical. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, because you, you have Dr. Sid in this movie, is Lawrence Fishburne, going, we need to do the mythologi- mythological answer. And then you have, what, Harry Lennox? No, it's not. Harry Lennox is the council person in The Matrix Reloaded. Whoever the other person is who's like, fuck you, nerd, let's blow them all up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want to put a gun in every hand of every man, woman, and child. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah, no, no, you're you are totally on on like spot on with that. I got that same feeling where you have the debate with the council that is the elders and stuff like that. A hundred percent, it is so. And I think that's that's the thing. Like we were saying before, is that you know Final Fantasy has never been rooted in like gunfights and like this, but they saw the success of some of these other movies with like I said, The Matrix before, and and they tried to emulate it, and it's not no bueno. And I know, of course, the the Reloaded comes out later, but. But you're right. But that's the thing, though. Like, you have this weird sort of just balance where, like, clearly this film was feeding off of The Matrix because James Wood McBad guy is, like, trench coat wearing mm-hmm. bad person. <laughs> then two years later, you have The Matrix reloaded. Yeah. And you obviously know these. everyone was talking to each other based on what happened with the Animatrix. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like symbiosis going on right here and not for the better. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it, not for the better. It's it, they they went in with intentions of a symbiotic relationship and somehow it became parasitic. <laughs> oh man. Uh so God, I just I just saw in my notes, where is the proof? I just wrote that down. That's great. That is a, that is a really good one. Oh, where is the proof? I I want to talk about the line that I mentioned earlier, which one of the, it stuck with me. The um, only seven years old and ready to die. For some reason, when I watched this movie on my PSP, that stuck with me for some reason. And I didn't remember the first part of the line where Dr. Aki has to go get one of the spirits. And I think it's like the fifth spirit is in the a terminally ill girl. And she has to uh, get there. And there's the scene where she's describing to Alec Baldwin how Dr. Aki is basically telling her the theory about the Gaia theory, as they call it in this movie, that the earth has a spirit and like everything spirits get recycled and things like that, which is a, a final fantasy concept. That's like the, the premise of final fantasy seven is why Sephiroth is doing bad things is that he wants to cause such a damage to the earth that it's going to have take a bunch of spirits are going to like try and heal it. He's going to absorb the spirits, all that shit. That's a very final fantasy idea. But in the context of this movie, Dr. Aki basically tells the girl, don't worry, your spirit's going to return to the Earth, you're going to be rebirthed to something new, you're going to be beautiful, you're going to keep the planet going. And the girl's response is, you don't have to make up stories to make me feel better. (laughs) 
And I find that wonderfully offensive. Like, this to me is kind of the equivalent of, you know, you meet a religious person, and they're telling you about how, like, how, how they believe in religion, and your response is something like, yeah, you just, you just haven't thought about it enough yet. It, it also makes me think of, you know, I, I was around two people once where one of my friends who is a, a gay man said to an older person that told them that they were gay, like, very flatly, and the older person's response was, you haven't met the right woman yet. That is so wildly offensive, and I love that in the context of the movie, it's coming from a seven-year-old girl who's just like, fuck you and your fairy tales. <laughs> it maybe is possibly the most like nihilistic line in cinematic history. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and it's – I don't know. I, I feel like that is one of the highlights of this movie is that we should have just ha- seen – I wanted to see that conversation with the little girl and dr aki fundamentally believing in this gaia theory which turns out to be true as well and oh i love it zach it was fantastic i wish we had that movie like i kind of wish we watched her get all the other spirits rather than stumbling on some at the end of this movie <laughs> yeah she could yeah i guess I, I do you think there's i man what's the best way to phrase this is there any good version of this movie that could possibly exist. Without a complete overhaul into, like, the Final Fantasy realm that I was mentioning, I don't think so, from my opinion. Exactly, exactly. It needs a complete overhaul. It's too basic. It needs to be... Because even if you made the movie that I just mentioned where it's her collecting the spirits, it, then it becomes, like, a, a collect quest more of, like, an... I don't know, like a... Uh, I feel like it would bleed more into like an Indiana Jones, like gotta get the artifact and stuff like that, or maybe a Tomb Raider even, because there's some of that. But I think without a complete overhaul, there's mm, now that I think about it, maybe lean in more into the fact that they're not aliens, they're alien ghosts, because that is an interesting concept. But I don't think that could you know make this good in a grand way, because the the way they play it is cookie cutter, of course, is what I'm thinking of, where it's like. Oh, whatever aliens on their planet, they blew each other up in a war, and now their ghosts are angry. And it's like, oh, really, we're going with that? It's like the beginning of AI when it's like, climate change, you know? This is basically like, we blew ourselves up in war. And it's like, yeah, we've been there, done that. That's not interesting. But alien ghosts are interesting. I mean, I don't know if you have thoughts on alien ghosts, but I think they're cool. (laughs) Well, again, interesting concept, poorly executed. Yes, yeah, 100%, 100%. So, no, to answer your question, no, I don't think so. This might movie, this movie might revel in mediocrity with any small change. You would need that overhaul to really make it something interesting for, as we said, a certain subset of people. Yeah, definitely. No, I concur. Where is the proof? <laughs> where is the proof? The proof. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, where is the proof? That's um, great. I, 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 the audio clip can't do it justice. Like, just like the gesticulation... <laughs> Is nothing sort of beautiful. Speaking of James Woods and his character in this, I don't know anybody's fucking character uh, except Aki Ross. And I'm going to get flack for that because I saw her in a bikini in Max, and that's why I remember her. <laughs> <laughs> but James Woods, there's that scene when he is telling Alec Baldwin and his team, or just Alec Baldwin, to relay to his team that they're going to go with Doctor Aki and protect her while she's getting the next spirit. And he's like, these are your orders. You have to protect her. But if she does anything crazy, I want to know about it first. So he's basically like, you're going to protect her, but you're going to give him the info. And then Alec Baldwin is like, oh, yes, sir, and leaves. And then after Alec Baldwin leaves, it's, it's James Woods and his little, like, right-hand man talking. And he sa- James Woods' character says something like, but I also want somebody to watch those soldiers. 
And I'm like, that's a lot of steps, James Woods. <laughs> like, how, how far is this rabbit hole going to go? Like, how many, how many checks do you need on this uh, information type of thing? <laughs> I just thought yeah. it was comical that the, the scene should have ended after Alec Baldwin left. And it should have had, like, lingered on James Woods for a little bit to show that it's like, oh, maybe he's being shady. Which we already know he's kind of being set up to be the villain. But instead, they add on more to the scene to go, I also don't trust him. Can we get another soldier to follow them? <laughs> and the soldiers that follow, I don't think have any lines because there's they, that they, scene in the um, in yeah. the in the plane where they're like they're trying to talk. To, I think Ving Rains is trying to talk to him, and they're completely silent, um, which is really awkward. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's speaking odd. of awkward, that fight scene when Aki is passed out and like shot on the uh, their their spaceship type of thing. When the like Ving Rhames like and them turn against like the the soldiers that were following them, that looked really off to me. Like it seemed like everybody was almost doing turn based combat. Like it seemed like nobody was reacting properly or in in a regular amount of time. That really stood out to me as I was just like something is so off about this. And it it could have been the you know the technology limiting them to not have like a, a big scene like that or something like hand to hand combat. But I definitely was like this is this is weird. Juxtapose that to the ghost aliens, alien ghosts, whatever the hell they are. Those, some of those look really cool. I was into like the the big creatures, you know, sw- flying around and going, touching people and ripping out their souls or whatever it was. Um, there's a really cool shot, I think, in the when New York barrier gets taken offline, where like a big alien ghost thing like comes and flies through a ship. And we don't see the inside of the ship. We just see it pass through the ship, and then the ship, like, you know, sputters out and falls to the ground. So we know that everybody in that ship got their soul sucked out. That stuff's really cool. I'm like, they're playing with this idea of how these aliens can interact with these humans, and they're showing us some really interesting, like, action shots with it. I just wish there was more of that mixed in with all these fantastical elements type of thing. But that that shot stood out to me in the sense of, like, oh, we know everybody got their soul sucked, so they're going to crash and burn and, and, you know, that type of thing. There's some cool stuff in here. This movie's not without its cool stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, it has its elements. Like, it had, there, there's, some, there's some corn in the crap. Like Alien Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> sure, like Alien Ghosts. Are there any other movies with Alien Ghosts? I feel like that, this can't be the only movie to do that, right? Like past be, spirits of 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 non Earth creatures. I wish I had an answer. Rob. I, yeah, I didn't look into it. I think I don't think I have. I really don't have a lot of notes on this movie. <laughs> it's a uh, it's something. It's something for sure. It's a it's a movie. I I guess. <laughs> Oh, I guess I do want to mention I was like so angry at the movie at the beginning when um, they come back from their mission after to like save Dr. Aki when she gets that plant. And when they go back to like the spaceship or whatever, she says something like, I have clearance that'll let me bypass the security scan. And I was like, what fucking universe would that ever happen? Of course, the movie explains it. That she has the um, the contained parasite in her. But I was just like, there is no way that that would ever happen. Like, that is the most dangerous thing, right? Like, could you imagine if it was like, you know, like, uh, like an alien It's done better. Because alien, they want to get, like, Tom Skerritt wants to get back on the ship. And she's like, we got to follow quarantine protocols. And he's like, fuck quarantine, we got an injured person and that type of stuff. So there's that emotional resonance to it. But in this movie, we're led to believe that there's a level of security you can get that could just let you walk onto the ship with a, with an infection. That is bullshit. I I was very angry at the movie until they explained it, and then I was like, okay. I was like, I, I was very, I was like begrudgingly accepting that later on. I was like, I guess. I think it's, 
I like I said, I think it's just to insinuate just some level of like VIP status, at least from like the normie perspective. Sure, sure. Made me very angry. Or at least that's how it was intended. <laughs> yeah, made me very angry. What's what side are you on, Zach? Zeus Cannon or Counterwave? Were you were you rooting for uh, James Woods by the end of the movie? <laughs> I just want some proof, Rob. Uh, where is the proof? That's fair. I mean, the proof was to Alec Baldwin was looking at blue smoke in the earth. So, would you accept where that? Is, where is the proof? Where is the proof? Email in. Tell that's, us where the proof is. <laughs> that's them all, there. Oh, God. I, I think that was it. I don't think I have anything else to talk about with this movie. I think we did a good job uh, realizing that no one, us or anybody else, will ever crack a video game movie and uh, that this movie is pretty pretty bland. Anything else that you that, want to say about Final Fantasy? Merchandise Spotlight. Oh, okay. The first game comes out in 1989. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to do every Final Fantasy game. <laughs> God no! Yes, They're, they Rob. They yes. made toys for this movie. Really? They did. See, that's once again put in the Final Fantasy universe. You have another reason to make Chocobo toys. God damn it! Zach has seen. I am a grown man with stuffed animals from Final Fantasy games. Zach has seen them. He's seen the cactus person. I have a cactuar <laughs> stuffed animal. I also have a tomberry stuffed animal. Fucking, that's why. Who want? What is there a toy of? Who wants a toy of? I don't know, alien ghost goo thing? Well, now I'm interested. What, what toys that, did they make? <laughs> they they have Dr. Aki Ross. Okay, in the bikini? No, Damn. unfortunately, no. Damn. You no. have Doc, you have uh, Alec Baldwin. Okay. You have Dr. Sid. Sure. Ving Rames. Okay. <laughs> Steve Usemi. I really don't Jay- know any of their character names. Uh, neither do I. Neither do I. <laughs> James Woods. Yes. And a phantom. Which phantom? Is it like the, the dragon-looking one, or is it like a... Um... No, no. Like, like a foot soldier. Foot okay, soldier. Okay, Oh, and like they have, kind like, of like the guy. ones in her dream? Sure. <laughs> like more, yeah. Zach's like, she had a dream? <laughs> <laughs> the same dream over and over again. Yeah, and they also have like a little, like, like, like one little, like, micro-machine, like, thing of, like, like the drop ship. Okay, what's the scale on these action figures? Uh, probably in the ball, from what I can, I could be wrong from the ballpark, probably like six inches. Six inches, okay, okay, right on. And and based on what eBay prices are, they are, uh, by no means exclusive, because they are, like, <laughs> you pretty sure you probably pick them up for what they cost back in the day. Yeah, damn. I mean, yeah, so many missed opportunities, so many missed opportunities. I want... A Final Fantasy movie in the world of Final Fantasy. And I guess I have it. It's called it's called Advent Children. <laughs> there you go, Ro. Yes, yes. Um, okay. Well, uh, Merchandise Spotlight, yes. All the Final Fantasy games. So get one, one, two, three, and four. Get If you have a PSP, you can get them on there um, b- before July 2nd, which this will come out before because July 2nd, they're shutting down the PSP PlayStation store. So everybody get it in like the few days you have when you hear this, if you listen to this when it comes out. Of course, oh, five and six are on there as well. Five and six you can get for um, some other stimulus systems as well. Seven, eight, nine, ten, tw- twelve, you can still get for the PlayStation. Thirteen trilogy, you can't get for the PS4 yet, but you can get it on Xbox, which is very makes me very angry. Um, and then 14 and 15, you can get on the PlayStation. And the Final Fantasy VII Remake is also on the PlayStation. So, Zach, which one are you going to play next? None of the above. Yeah, I think you should play 12. That's a great game. <laughs> uh, I don't care. Okay, with that being said, Zach, 
would you like to get to our questions? <sighs> I was hoping for you to ask that. I think the questions are going to be easy. I think the snacks are where it's going to get a little more interesting. Uh, so- I already told you I have my snack in mind. <laughs> Cinematis and Late Night, I am going no to both. It's a Cinematis, no. It's a basic sci-fi story. It's so basic it might be painful. And Late Night, no. Why would I, why would I want to watch this with anybody? <laughs> so I'm, I'm no to both. And I, th- I don't think there's any surprise. I don't think this, this fits, bills for, fits the bill for anything. So what do you think, Zach? What are you going to tell me that it's a yes? <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Late Night, no. Like, that's, like, like without a set, like, without a doubt. Like, no when it comes to late night status. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, as an oddity, like, in the context, like, like, overall, no. But, like, in the context of that summer, yes. Because it's just, like, it's, it's, like, maybe, okay, I'm going to say yes to cinema Um, Because, like, that budget's just way too high. Way too high of a budget, too mm. niche of a thing, okay. too niche of a property and a concept. But too bland is an actual product. <laughs> the film is almost the film is almost at war of it with itself. Yeah, w- when you just said that, I was thinking like uh, I was thinking something like this film might be so much of a contradiction to itself that it should implode and not exist. <laughs> exactly. See, I'm going to say no to late okay. night and yes to cinematic. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So now we get to snacks and we get to the restaurant. I have a very important thing we have to discuss, Zach. That this movie made me think of, as we know. We have seance modities at the restaurant. We have a way to contact the afterlife in our restaurant. So, in this universe, which is reality, of course, the afterlife exists. Assume, which is the truth, that you can contact the afterlife in our seance modities or through other media means, like we've seen in television shows, movies, whatever. Okay, so now, assuming that the afterlife can be contacted, wouldn't this directly imply that we could very quickly prove or disprove life on other planets. Hear me out, Zach. Is there anything in seance modities or ways that we have to contact the afterlife that would imply that we can only contact certain people in the afterlife that are within a certain range? Another way to say this is, is there a sense of physical distance in the afterlife? Because I've always thought that you sit down at a uh, at a seance, let's say, you know, like, let's say somebody goes to a seance, and it's in, like, they live their whole lives in Maine, and they go to a seance in California, and they say, oh, I want to contact my dead sister, and they go to the person, the medium that's holding the seance, is there any any indication that the person, the medium, could say, I can't contact your sister while we're here in the afterlife in California because her spirit's in Maine. And it's like it's like a localized thing. I don't think so. I think that we've always had this notion, we've all accepted in contact in the afterlife, that we always say, oh, we can contact anybody. It's like a phone call type of thing. So if that's the case, you sit a medium down, we're going to do this at our next seance modities, and we're going to say, find a dead thing from a different planet. If it can't do it, other life doesn't exist, other mortal life wouldn't exist. If it can do it, boom! We've proved the existence of aliens. What do you think, Zach? This is not. This is also not about the restaurant. I just wanted. I had this thought while I was watching this movie that if alien ghosts are fucking real, we could prove it with seance modities. Is that what you're saying, Rob? Yes. Like what do you think? Do you think though, like this whole idea? Or do you know of any like TV show or movie or any positing of like contacting the dead that you can't do it because you're not in the right spot? You know what I mean? Oh, Rob, all I can say is that's amore. <laughs> I think this is a really interesting idea, 
And everybody, find someone who can actually contact the dead if you're not in the Cinematic restaurant. And you could immediately, immediately, or maybe not immediately, I guess, I don't know how mediums work. You could very quickly (laughs) figure out if there's life on other planets. Mortal life. Because if they don't die, we can't contact them in the afterlife. I think that's a really cool idea. And I spent a lot more time thinking about that than this movie. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Um... I guess to, to kick off the things actually for the restaurant, a Cinemodity Zeus cannon <laughs> was one I wrote down. Oh, I figured, God, why don't we have something like an outer space cannon like the Zeus cannon or like, what, the Golden Eye laser from James Bond? Anything of that ilk to just, I don't know, we could blow something up, right? I don't know what we want to blow up, but we could blow something up. Um, blow something up. So uh, I was also thinking that we would have it because it's clearly like a space station because James Woods and the other people like go to it and work on it. Like, they, they have seats. You know, it's like, I think, of like, the Death Star. Like, they're sitting around in the Death Star. They're sitting around in the Zeus cannon. Why don't we have it so there you can also get, like, maybe, like, a, a subset of our menu on the Zeus cannon? Where, you know how, like, some restaurants have, like, a little offshoot in an airport? Ours would be on this Zeus cannon space station. <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh, God. I, like, everything about, like, James Gardner's character. Or, I'm sorry, James Woods' character. My bad. <laughs> Wrong movie. Uh, think about Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Yes, <laughs> um, I just want it. I just want it so badly. Do you want like? Are you saying like a walk around character? Or you just want him to like help us? Like he's a consult or something <sighs> like that. <laughs> I don't know. I just love everything about him. So yeah, let's let's, let's make let's make him a consult. <laughs> now I'm just imagining we we go to we go to Seance Modities, and uh, I, I'm like, okay, hold on, we're not going to do the usual thing. We're going to start by seeing if we can prove if there's alien life. And James Woods is there, just like, where is the proof? <laughs> Oh, where is the proof? Oh, that's good. No, I, I really like him, too. He's he's probably, he's definitely the best character. Not probably, definitely the best character in the movie. And that line is great. I, I'm so glad it stuck out to you as well. <laughs> uh, speaking of the spiritual aspect that I, I, I got hung up with, the uh, seance modities, and, and if you can talk to the dead, you can prove failing exists. I'm pausing that. That should be, like, my review for this movie. <laughs> uh, there's the scene where Dr. Aki is, like, in... She's having a rough time because I think, like, the wave is not working well enough to hold or keep the parasite or whatever the fuck it is in her body contained. And she's in, like, Dream World. She's in, like, Inception World or something like that. So Alec Baldwin, like, goes in to her dream and she pops up and he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, you're all in a coma or whatever, so I came in to say hi to you. And she goes, oh, so you're my spiritual support. Zach, will you be my spiritual support? When I get infected by an alien ghost because I'm so gung-ho about contacting them in the afterlife, will you come into my dream world and be my spiritual support? I, it's like an emergency contact. I, I, need to, I want to put someone down, and I want it to be you. What do you think? No. No, why not? I, I am not your support, Rob. I'm sorry. I, are you afraid of what you'll see in my dreams? <laughs> uh, yes. Are you afraid of all the... All the, the, the bikini-clad Dr. Aki Ross you'll see in my dreams. Oh, God, no. <laughs> well, who am I going to get as my spiritual support then, Zach? Good luck. I don't want Ben as my spiritual support. <laughs> How about Justin? Oh, God. <laughs> Justin's like, uh, I came in to uh, just let you know we are removing life support. <laughs> <laughs> well, after, Zach... I crap, after I crap on Southland. <laughs> yes. I think I'm going to put you down as my spiritual support anyway. That okay. What about this? Also, 
when we have like new employees at the restaurant, we don't ask them to put down an emergency contact on their paperwork. They have to put down a spiritual support person. That's interesting. Where it's like, they're like, what is this? What's a spiritual support? Be like, you know, they ask what it is and they think it might be something that's, that, you know, they, they is real world or grounded anyway. Be like, no, you know, when you get stuck in a dream because your alien ghost is getting at your heart, someone to come in and keep you company. <laughs> oh, God. I only had one other snack and I think it's a good one. Um, so at the start of this movie, when Dr. Aki, you know, is getting attacked by phantoms in whatever city she's in. Uh, to get that spirit, which is the plant in, like, the subway station or whatever the hell she is. She goes and gets this plant. There's that scene where all the, mar- the – I keep saying Marines. I guess like, this made me think of aliens as well. But they're soldiers, and, and they, they're following her, and they get there, and she finds the plant. And they're all like, this is what you're here for? Like, that's why we risked our lives? That type of thing. I, I really wanted in that moment that someone – one of the soldiers, somebody just kind of popped out and just, like, grabbed the plant and just shoved it in their mouths, like, right in front of her. Like, just ate it immediately. So I think we should eat the spirits from this movie. Like, we should have, like, oh, this plant is very special. It has one of the eight spirits. You can eat it. And it would, and since they're so rare, they would cost a lot more. And I think, what, one of the other spirits is, like, a bird. She says she tracks, like, a sparrow or something like that. We could eat that bird. I, so I think we should very, like, as an exclusive expensive item, we could eat the, the spirits that are supposed to be the spirits to save the planet. But once you eat them... They are within you, Zach. So they truly become the spirits within. Spirit within. That's my pitch. Ooh. That we eat these really rare eight spirits. <laughs> now that's interesting. And I don't even think you have to. Well, maybe you cook like the bird or something like that. Um, but you can just eat the plant raw type of thing. They become the spirits within. That's all, and that's all we need, right? That's all anybody's ever wanted, I think. <laughs> For the spirits to be within. That was all I had for the restaurant, Zach. Did you have any more, any more activities or uh, food? Yeah, I think I talked about this. This goes. I think I told Robin the before we started recording that like I had, I, I went to a Fye, a different oh, yeah. Fye than the one I got my Final Fantasy DVD at, where it's a definition of a mall on life support. <laughs> and what they had, in, in talk about again, it was like a relic of a bygone era. Like, do you remember those like machines they would have in malls where you put like, a quarter in, and the kid can like ride the little thing? Oh yeah. Like it would be like something would be like some like back when I was younger, it was like the uh, Fred Flintstone. Yes. In the Flintstones car, well, little, little rocket ship or something like that. Yeah, stuff like that. But like, I think there's, I think I, I saw one recently, and it blew me. Not re- recently, as in like five years ago. Um, and it was like you're in a little car with like Donald Duck or something or off brand sure. Donald Duck. <laughs> sure. Um, like, yeah, I know like back in the day, like I remember there was like a Toys R Us, like when Toys R Us was around, like it'd be like, uh, oh, God, the the little – oh, God, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher this name right now. But like the, the world of Richard Scary. Remember that? Oh, sure. Yeah. And it was like Lonely apple, Worm. Worm. Yeah. And Lonely Worm. The little and apple. What the fuck was the cat's name? Yeah, exactly the cat the cat character i don't know it cat, doesn't matter. cat and lowly worm definitely absolutely but what happened was was that like at this mall they had one of barney and i'm just like is, 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 is barney st- <laughs> I'm, I'm like is, yeah exactly i'm like has has barney been relevant for like 15 to 20 years like <laughs> exactly like, uh, it's like, like you don't even see barney like barney merchandise like you don't see anything barney yeah and so this made me thinking we don't have anything like that at the Cinemati's restaurant. No. And, and this is the sort of idea that transcends not just Final Fantasy but the entire fort year. I think just for Final Fantasy, we should at least have a Dr. Aki one of those in like one of her little spacecrafts. 
like, like we're like like Doctor Aki's in the passenger seat, and you get to pilot the whatever the hell the the craft's name is. But I think we should have a couple of those for the entire okay year. Like we should have like JD's van from or no, uh, what was it? Not JD. Um, JD should be the character like in the in riding shotgun, but have Steve Vaughn's like what was it? A uh, uh, pest control van. Um, yes. We should have that. Yes. Uh, we should have like what other vehicles do we have in the fourth year? Like, um, uh, oh god, easily like what? Uh, uh, Paul Walker's car from the Fast and Furious. Sure, we should have sure. Okay. that. Um, I don't think there. I'm trying to think what other cars do we have from the fourth year so far. I, I think there's only like really some definitive vehicles. Yeah. I can't think of any more right now. Like in Pearl Harbor, there's not one. Shrek, there isn't a definitive vehicle. Uh, but yeah, I think we okay. should have that. I dig that, and they would all have like that spot in the vehicle where you, the kid, would sit. And you're the you're the driver, me. and then like the, like whoever <laughs> care, like, it should be a secondary character riding shotgun. Okay, okay, I dig that. Yeah, no, that's cool. And so, how much? Because I, I know you started with it like, a, like the old school. You think you cost a quarter, you put the coins in. How much would these cost in our restaurant? Uh, I let You know what? Let's make it. Seventy-five cents, just to make it annoying. Seventy-five. Okay. See, seventy-five I'm... cents, but there's no way to insert like paper money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. This would be coin based. I was also thinking. I was thinking the same thing that you were just said that it should be annoying, but I was thinking it should be something like eighty-three cents. Like really make it obscure. You need an obscure amount of change to get in there. I mean, it makes me think of um a Teen Beach movie. The the jukebox that Gracie Phipps like does the hip bump to to turn on. It says it costs twenty four cents. <laughs> oh my god! Like I'm thinking we make it an obscure type of uh, type of uh, or amount of money. I like that though. That's a cool idea. Yes. So that's that. That is my. Uh... Addition to the restaurant. Would we have them spread out throughout the restaurant, or would it be like one area where they're all one in like area. a row or something? One, one area. One area. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. I had to look into it because this is a blast from the past. Uh, the busy world of Richard Scary. It is there Huckle, we go. Yeah. Huckle Cat. Yeah. Is that what his name was? Huckle Cat and Lowly Worm. That's what I, I would not oh, have God. remembered Huckle Cat. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember that at all. Huckle Cat and Lowly Worm. Then there's Fiona Cat, Sergeant Murphy, Doctor Lion, Mister Frumble, Mister Grunkle. Goddamn, Doctor Grunkle. P.S. Pig. What the fuck, Mister Humperdink? He's just making up names now, people. Like cucumber. (laughs) Now he's it's just vegetables. Kumquat, Water Malone. It's like (laughs) goddamn bananas, gorilla. What the hell is that? Uh, this ran for five seasons. This is now on my list of old TV shows I need to find. Uh, <laughs> How long did that last? Like, when did that begin? How long did it like run till? Five seasons from 94 to 97. That was a 90s thing. I could have sworn that yeah. was like 80s. I would have believed that as well. Um, see, in season five, pops up with the <laughs> character Linny Raccoon, Tara Strong. Oh, God. I had no idea he was a raccoon <laughs> Terry strong is like the share of like voice acting oh, she's like 800 she's like 8500 years old yes yet somehow it's just like what it uh it always like i find it always crazy that you look into Terry strong and it's like uh she's not married to john dimaggio and they just run the gamut on being in every animated thing ever <laughs> <laughs> is she really married to him no she's not that's what i'm saying that like, she's oh, okay, not i can't good. believe she's not married to uh John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. She's married to Craig Strong, 
who doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, so fuck that what, dude. <laughs> what a noob. What, what a, a loser. <laughs> what a noob. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, so uh, tune in next week when we watch all five seasons, all 195 segments of the busy world of Richard world of Scare. Richard Scare. I, I, this is all coming back to me. I, I was, like, really young when I was reading and watching this I remember that. Really. I remember that. Oh, I, yeah. I remember it. Really young, Zach. Like, I'm talking really young. <laughs> really young like like uh barely legal like i was i could not i was not old enough to look at the maxim hot 100 list when i was no that, 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 looking at the busy world of richard <laughs> oh man okay okay so i think with all that being said uh next week is oh shit the score i think the goddamn score i think that's how we are kicking july off and that's a movie i've never seen but i cannot wait to talk about marlon brando (laughs) well rob i have to ask do you have you ever seen a reef before (laughs) reef i got reefs coming out of my ass I think more appropriately for Marlon Brando in the score, we should say something like, uh, you ask me a question and I go, uh, you're Miss Piggy. I don't, I'm not listening to you. You're Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, maybe the better way to say it is next week, Zach will ask me questions and I will actively ignore him. But he will ask Ben questions and Ben will feed them into an earpiece. <laughs> That I get the <laughs> So tune in for the score next week. That's going to be something. I don't really know what to think about that movie, other than Miss Piggy directed it. And then we have to talk about how we're going to end this episode, and I think what better way to end this episode than with the uh, the end credits song. Technically, the, it's the second song that plays the end credits, but it's the uh, it was like the theme created for this movie called Spirits Dream Inside by Lark on Ciel, the Japanese band, which translates to Rainbow in French. What do you think, Zach? Woo! Can you handle it? I that? think it sounds good. I am handling it. And maybe at the end, if you if you listen through the whole thing, you will hear James Woods say, where is the proof in reverse? <laughs> Stop the